Don't underestimate a phoenix. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Ma'am, what about that football? Did you see that football? That football was amazing. Did you see that football, Catherine? No, I was in bed. Me too. Except in my own. Yeah. Me think the lady doth protest too much. Shakespeare. That's basically Shakespeare um, saying that someone's a bit of a... Someone's covering up. Yeah, yeah, covering up. What have you got on your elbow? It looks like... And on the side of your jacket. It looks like at the best milk, at the worst something else, it is face paint. For some reason, when I got home, my son was dressed up as a clown. I have no idea why. And he embraced me and he ruined my jacket. Thanks a lot, son. He's five. He doesn't need an excuse. Uh, He's four. The five-year-old doesn't dress up as a clown. No one knows about the five-year-old. Shh. It's a secret. <sighs> Lots to talk about later on, including See You Later Incinerator. People who don't donate her. I'm making this better for you. Good. And the Bum 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 Busway. It's meant to sound like this. Bum 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 Busway. Busway. All of that and, um, well, probably that, that I would imagine. Something else. Yeah. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts, and bugs. Oh, yeah. BBC, BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners have won their campaign to stop a massive incinerator being built near Hatfield. The Secretary of State, Eric Pickles, agreed with the planning inspector that the 380,000 tonne facility was an inappropriate development within the Green Belt. Well, Catherine Boyle has been following this story very, very closely. Uh, What exactly has Eric Pickles decided? Well, as we said there, he's uh, decided to refuse the application on land at New Barnfield in Hatfield, backing up the planning inspector for two main reasons. The government policy is clear that inappropriate developments in the Greenbelt shouldn't be allowed. So Secretary of State Eric Pickles said that development within the Greenbelt will not be allowed unless there are very special circumstances. In this case, the benefits of the development did not outweigh the potential harm to the Greenbelt. His decision also took into account the proximity of Hatfield House, which if you um, are familiar with it, it's beautiful. It's a Grade 1 listed building and uh, it's right, concerned right, about mate. the... Impartiality. Well, he, it's a lovely building. Impartiality. No, yeah, it's clear. It's you the have BBC. To be impartial about it. It's beautiful. But he was concerned about the effects the proposal could have on heritage protection. The Conservative MP for Well in Hatfield, Grant Shapps, who consistently campaigned against this proposal, said it was always the wrong option. And in the time that this thing's been invented, recycling rates in, in Well in Hatfield alone and beyond have gone from like 20% to 60, 70, even 80% of waste being recycled. Mm. That's the first thing. The second thing is there are other technologies like anaerobic digestion, which are far more uh, effective, much more modern. We should never have been pursuing outdated technology and we certainly shouldn't have been doing it against and over the heads of what local communities were uh, were, were, were interested in. This whole thing has cost uh, the taxpayer a lot of money, hasn't it, it? It has, and it may take some time before we get the actual figure, but Grant Shapp says that their own legal bills alone came to £100,000. On top of that, we learnt last year that the taxpayer was helping to fund the legal fees of not only Hertfordshire County Council, but also the developer behind the plans, Veolia. Really? Yep. That really, really big company? 
We've been paying the legal fees. That was part of the deal. It was also thought the total cost wow. was half a million pounds with the taxpayer paying half that amount. Grant Shapps says the contracts were drawn up all wrong. No, well, I think it was a stupid fight to, to, for them to pick in the first place. Um, and uh, I, I think that the uh, contracts were poor. When we got the uh, as much information as we could, we found a lot of the information was redacted. But one thing that was clear was there was a whole exchange rate swap guarantee provided to Veolia. Uh, I don't think that that was... Uh, very wise. I think the advice to the county council uh, was very uh, poor, uh, and I think there will be many, many lessons to learn. So what happens now? Uh, Hearts County Council uh, and Veolia going to appeal? Well, before this decision came through, the feeling was that they would if it was thrown out, but now it's actually happened. Hertfordshire County Councillors say they're very disappointed, and they're considering their next step. The council says the unit would have saved residents more than £600 million over 25 years, and doing nothing is simply not an option. Grant Shapps again here, explaining that the applicants now have six weeks to appeal the decision in the High Court. There's one thing that they can do, uh, they have six weeks to do it, and that's to go to the High Court. But just to be clear, they would be going to the High Court to try to claim that the inspector had somehow got this wrong, and the Secretary of State, in addition, was wrong to accept what the inspector had said. Uh, And even if they were to achieve that, even if the High Court were to allow it, uh, then what it would mean is that the the inspector would have to revisit. It wouldn't actually overturn the decision as it were um i think they'd be on a hiding to nothing i've asked uh, online for someone to help me build a website for it it's a little kind of geeky nerdy project that i've got and lots of people have got in touch offering to help which is great thank you very much indeed there's no money in it uh, wh- one gentleman got in touch a while ago you looking at Kath? yeah now let's not give any names away because i don't want to embarrass the, the gentleman or lady it's a man Saying, um, I can. This is the kind of thing I do. Wow. I can do this easily. Here's my website. Have a look. His website's rubbish. <laughs> His website. It's like you remember the old GeoCities website. I was going to say, remember the olden days. Yeah, this is what it looked like. With where people you'd get pictures with like um, little images of flapping angels' wings, and just you, people would put loads of stuff on. You know, I like, could do your website. Sorry. I could do your website. Can you do websites? Yeah. How? I've currently got three. Well, the, the number of websites doesn't indicate the quality of websites, as, as this gentleman, or lady, it's a man. Oh, no, he's in, um, he's in America. He's no, in America. Still don't say. No. It's not fair. No, it's not fair. But uh, that is... Um, that's very low spec. That's a proud boast. Isn't it? I'm just looking at all the... Um, oh, wow. <laughs> on, wait for it. Okay, that's, that's the homepage, which is where he's put all his efforts. Oh. Then you get... Then you get... I mean, really. Here's a tip. You can see what... He's got the right ideas. He's just using them wrong. If you... He's not really... um, Well, he's written a lot of stuff. It's a lot of words on there. I'll give him that. He he knows how to put words online. (laughs) Which is more than me at the moment. Exactly. And you are paying uh, nothing. (laughs) Zero pence. So I don't think you really have the right to be specifying whether it's good or not. I've had people... I've had children get in touch who can do better than that. So that's... There's probably a YouTube tutorial by a seven-year-old from America who can show you how to do it. There will be. There will be. Tony Blackburn's tweeted. Uh Uh-oh. What does he want now? Good morning. It looks like winter outside at the moment. I'm going to BBC 3CR today and I look forward to seeing everyone there. Okay. Oh, he's a nice fellow. He's He's Tony Blackburn, one of the nice blokes in the world. And let's... um, Who's going to tell him about Bobby Womack? You or me? I don't want to break his heart. I don't want to break his heart. (laughs) 
Wow, Catherine did the cutting of the throat gesture. Wowzers. Yeah. Turn it in. He <laughs> pre-recorded it. It could happen to any of it us. It could literally happen to any of us. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, let's get a bit of the travel. Just arguing, sorry, I'm just going to play a really long song now because I'm arguing with Kelly Betts about the, the internet and websites. You're surprised that I've bought the dot com, this is so boring, I've bought the dot com already. It's so boring, why are you going to say it on air? Because I want to continue this, uh, this conversation, we've got 15 seconds of introduction. Okay, to basically I thought you had to pick the site you want to make your website with and then you can no. pick the URL. Surely if I'm going to use... How do you link the two together? Well, I, d- I don't know, that's kind of what I'm asking you. They do that. Sorry? They do that. Yeah, do they? they? Yeah. Oh, they, they do it, right, see. Morning! This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now it seems that people in Luton are either unwilling or unable to add their names to the organ donor register. The town has the lowest percentage of potential donors in the three counties and the second lowest across the country. Well, Fiona Loud is from St Albans. There'll be a number of kidney transplant patients raising the problem in Westminster later. Good morning, Fiona. Good morning. You're also the policy director for the British Kidney Patient Association. Why are people reluctant to sign up, do you think? Well, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that, actually. I think that many people, um, in, especially in some parts of the country, are just unaware of how important it is to put their name on the organ donor register and what they could do from some, for somebody else if the, the, the unthinkable happened and they passed away. Because, you know, if you put your name on the organ donor register and you let your family know so they're aware of what your wishes might be after your death, you can give life to up to eight other people, and that's just a fantastic thing that you can do. Um, after you say it's the unthinkable it's, it's going to happen to all of us I've signed saying that I haven't done the will actually but uh, it's going to happen to all of us and, and I guess if we put ourselves in the situation where a loved one depended on a transplant we'd want them to be available wouldn't we we would indeed and having been someone who herself has gone through kidney failure and has been fortunate enough to receive a kidney transplant I can uh, speak from the heart from that but you know many people aren't aware that the family members might be asked about their organ donation wishes so that's why we're saying for national transplant when we're asking people to spell it out and let that loved ones knows what their knows what their wishes are but the thing is that um this week we're kind of calling attention to it but we've asked people to think about organ donation throughout the year and particularly the problem there's a particular um, concern in the black and minority ethnic and asian communities because people there are especially unaware it seems of the need for organ donation but it's actually disproportionately higher in those communities because the diseases that cause your kidneys to fail um seem to seem to carry on a bit faster in those communities it's not that they're more frequent it's just that it develops younger in many people so the need is even greater in those communities Fiona what's your story when when did you realize that um you you, uh, needed a a kidney and and how did that happen well, it happened over a period of time, actually. Um, first of all, when uh, my daughter was, uh, I was expecting my daughter, she's 22 now, we realised there was something really quite wrong. But it took about another, what, seven or eight years to work out there really was something wrong. And by that time, my kidneys had failed. I've got a genetic condition. And I spent uh, five years at St. Albans City Hospital having dialysis. And then I was lucky enough, uh, just nearly eight years ago, for my husband to come forward and donate me his kidney. And so that's what we're doing today, going up to Parliament. We've got about 25 kidney patients from all over the country meeting their MPs. And in fact, Anne Main, our MP here from St. Albans, is attending as well. And just asking them 
to learn about organ donations and to spell it out and perhaps to think for themselves about going onto the organ donor register and encouraging their constituents to do the same. Here's a weird thing, Fiona. Whenever we mention this story and it pops up from time to time, we get people phoning up saying, oh yeah, no, they can have anything they want, they just can't touch my eyes. Have you come across that? People get a bit funny about certain parts of their body. Yeah, they do, and yeah, that's right. Um, I've come across that lots and lots of times. It's weird, isn't it? It, well, it is some people think, you know, eyes to the soul. People have a particular thing about it. And actually what I say to people is it really doesn't matter. It's completely up to you. You can give whatever whatever yeah. you want. But just have a think about it and let people know what you can do. Because I know there's lots of people in our, in our area. There's probably, you know, 25, 50 people in Luton itself who are currently on the active donor waiting list um, and hoping for that, that magic call that would give them the chance of, of a new life. And I've spent some time in the Luton and Dunstable and in many of the other dialysis units in our area. And I know from those people that they are always, always fantastically grateful to anything that anyone can do for them by thinking about what they could do after their death. Fiona, I appreciate your time. Good luck today. Thank you very much. 08459 455 555. Kelly, you're one of the ones that you don't want your eyes to go, do you? No. Why? In case I can't see when I get to heaven. <laughs> you genuinely think that, though, don't you? You never know, do you? Oh, I think you do. I think oh. you do. Kells, Bells, what was uh, what website did Fiona want us to mention, the last guest, or did she say what was there was a website? Transplantweek.co.uk What was that website? Transplantweek.com Transplant, are you from America? Transplant. Thank you. Week. I say transplant. Well, you, 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 you don't count as a pronunciation expert. I do. Transplant Week. UK. Thanks very much indeed, Kelly. You say that I'm not the pronunciation expert, but who does everyone come to when you've got a foreign pronunciation? Oh, that'd be me. Who does everyone come to when they, when they want to complain about the way you say bum? What is it you said that you... What, what word? Plum. 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 I don't even it. say plum very much. Yeah, but when you do, you say it incorrectly. I'm only saying it now as an example. Exactly. Well, you say plum. Yeah, people thought I was putting it on. Exactly. In a way, I am, I suppose. I can't say Pam. <laughs> Plam. <laughs> plam. Mother, have you got any plams? I'd like a plam. That would be mother, wouldn't it? Yeah. Can I do the travel now? Say, wait, no, I want her to say oh. plum again. How? In, in, our, in our world. Plam. <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. Yeah. BBC Three Counties Radio. Whoa! What have you got in the papers? Well, funnily enough, it's fallen open to page 13 of the Daily Mail. Prejudice oh, yeah. over accents is as serious as racism. No, it's not. Let's just let that simmer and see. No, it's not, mate. It's not as serious, mate, what you're talking about. People... Oh, no, our kid. Stop having a go at me. It's like you're having a go at an Asian gentleman with the beard. Stop having a go at me. It's the same... It's not the same as that, our kid. I'm not your kid. People with regional that, that means a younger sister or brother. Well, you're right. And what, what's the equivalent for an older um, work colleague? Just say our Catherine. Our Catherine. Hey, our Catherine got to foot of stairs and side the pots. I never sided the pots. I used to wash the pots. Much to people's hilarity when we first moved here. And butty box is what was another one that people liked. <laughs> Are you allowed, to, uh, Kelly? Have you got the, the book of words we're allowed to say and not say on the radio? Can yes. you check up uh, butty box, please? Yes, we're not allowed to say. <laughs> we're not allowed to say butty box. Why do you keep your butties in? A butty box. I keep them in um, lunch box. Lunch box. That's the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't have lunch. I have dinner. Hey, look at that lad. He looks like a right butty box. 
anyway, so as the mail was saying, um, people with regional accents need to be protected from discriminatory oh. accentism. There's a word for it in the workplace, oh. an academic has claimed. Manchester University of fine establishment. Oh, it would be, wouldn't it? It would be those jokers. Well, Dr. Alex Baratta said the practice should be um, tarred with the same negative connotation as racism, sexism and ageism. Tarred, interesting use of the word there. He found that one in three workers feel like a fraud when they have to modify their accents in the office. Yeah, like plam. I feel like a plam. I feel like a right plam. <laughs> and have called for employers to state in writing that job applicants' accents will not be held against them. Look, there's a difference between having an accent and uh, sounding thick, I think. Could you clarify that for me, please, Catherine? Because you... Well, you know, if huh? you have an, um, an accent that makes you talk like that... Then do, do, you're, do gonna, you're gonna sound, you know, uh, that's from the same place that I'm from, but I just speak clearly. I don't think I think it's quite nice to have an accent as long as you speak nicely. Don't you think I speak nicely? The front page of the Daily Express. Bueller? Do you remember do you remember this, Kelly? Bueller? About a year ago, there was a family in France. Bueller. This is a very serious story. Oh, yeah, we're talking about that now. A family in France... Ignoring me. ...shot dead in their cars, and there was one little girl that survived. She oh. hid under uh, hid under the chair, maybe no, under, under the body, the body of, of her mother. body of her mum, right? So the whole family was gunned down. Gun, mm. a, a, a gunman drove up, shot them all in the head, missed this little girl. She's the only survivor. And a cyclist was killed. Do you remember that story? No. What do you mean sad. you don't remember it? Really okay, sad. okay. No, it's really sad. Was this a year ago, something like that? And they thought that the, the husband's brother had done it and he was brought in for questioning and it turns out he wasn't connected even though they were investigating family feuds and stuff like that. They thought a hitman had been hired to do it. They, di- they didn't... That story went away. Unsolved. Mm. Front page of the Daily Express. Murder in the Alps sensation. Victim's first husband was killed the same day with a poisoned dart. Well, Whoa. well, Whoa. The, the Express will say poisoned dart. I think they're still investigating, aren't they? Turn to page seven. Astonishing new twist in Alps murder inquiry. <laughs> the slaughter... <coughs> excuse me. Oh yeah, I know. I've got this chesty thing I can't get rid of. Chest No, thanks. The slaughter of a uh, British family in the Alps took an extraordinary twist yesterday when police revealed that one of the victims had a secret former husband... A secret former husband... Whoa, whoa. You say secret former husband. There are plenty of people who haven't told their children they've been married before. Who's ever... Who has never told their children they've been married before? I know a few people. Okay, well, it's still... If there are no children resulting from it, what difference does it make? It's still a secret former husband. Secret from some. Secret... Carry on. Uh, One of the victims had a secret former husband, I'm guessing it's the mum, who died in the US on the very same day, possibly killed by a poison Yeah, possibly. So the Express headline was slightly misleading, wasn't it, there? How old was the girl, the survivor? Uh, Four. Seven and four, the two girls. I don't know how old the one was who survived. Uh, uh, Benoit Vinema. A senior police commander working on the case said the family secret may have provided a, murder, a motive for the murders. He added, quotes, we have discovered some astonishing things. Wow. Wow, I think that's incredible. I can't believe you don't think that people um, don't tell about previous husbands and stuff. Could you, to who? If I... Right. Okay. If I got married to you... Right. I well, I'd never say, tell anyone. <laughs> I would say, by the way... It'd be big of me, I'd be in prison. It'd be very big of you. Come on. I would say, by the way, I should let you know. Oh, yeah, you tell your partner, but any. Say say you. Whoa, 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 whoa. So who is this woman not. Who is this woman not told? Well, it may be that the rest of the family doesn't know. 
I had a, listen. I had a grand, great grandmother who September in, 2012. This happened. Listen, Blimey. I had a great grandmother who, in the days when you didn't get divorced and didn't leave your husband, did both. So her next husband didn't tell his family that he was married to someone who was a divorcee. They only found out after she died and they saw flowers on the grave from her children. The woman was secretly married to James Thompson, a dentist some 13 years her senior, between February 1999 and December 2000. The short relationship was never spoken about. Exactly. Not worth it, is it? Telling someone that you've been married before. Tell your husband. No one else's business. How do you know she told the husband? Well, I would. Well, ex- exactly. I don't know whether I'd tell my children. How is it relevant? Would you tell? Would you tell someone that you were getting married, that you've been married before? Yeah. If you, I'm not looking at you, you now. Tell your husband. No, don't tell her what to say. If you'd been married before and you were getting married again, Kelly, mm-hmm. would you tell the new guy? Mm, yeah, probably. Exactly. But I, I didn't might argue not, that if, that wasn't the case. But would me, you tell your kids? Yeah, if me. And yeah, of course, I tell the kids. kids. If me and new guy had kids, right? And you hadn't had children not, before, and I didn't have any. Yeah, so husband number married. two, you have kids with husband. He impregnates you. You have you have children. How many kids? Let's say that two. Like, yeah, let's say two. Two kids with husband two number two. They're just going through the attic one day. Oh, there's a box of photos. Who's this man that? Um, uh, who's this? Um, Colombian man that mummy's um, uh, wearing <laughs> a wedding you know dress stood next to. <laughs> How did you know about you see? that? see? Who's this? Why is there a picture of mummy and this strange-looking Colombian man? Why would you keep, keep your wedding photos? Oh, you keep your wedding photos. I've got... You keep your wedding photos. You keep your wedding photos. Why, why am I not with him anymore? You keep the photos of someone significant in your past. All right, here we go. Here we go. I've got. I went out with the girl for eight years. Right yeah, before I've got, I got. Yeah, I've got all photos. I've got. I've got photos. I've got. Yeah, and I have no intention. Yeah. Even though at one point it was said, "Are you going to keep those photos?" Yeah, I am because it's an eight-year part of my life. Well, I don't have feelings for that woman anymore. It was a significant. I'm not going to forget that eight years. Here's what I think. Okay, here's you let's might not tell your kids straight away. Maybe when they're old enough to understand. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. What we're saying though is that we can see how it was a secret. Yeah, we're not saying. Would you tell I'm, your in-laws no. straight away? No, probably not. I can't not. even remember how this conversation started, for goodness sake. Secret husbands. Yeah, okay. If uh, let, Let's put it out there. You've got a secret husband. Who do you tell? That's not a very good phone, is it? No, you no. weren't married for very long when you were young. Who do you tell? You don't tell your husband, your new husband's pe- parents and brothers. Oh, and you tell the in-laws? Why would you? Not straight away. No, no, you, don't, you don't first date. Oh, it's very nice to meet you. By the way, I was married before. But you would say, look, I just think I just think I should get this out in the open. Um, and I was, I was mar- married before. I was married to an older guy, thirteen years older than me. Wow! For this is an elaborate scenario. <laughs> that's the story here. I was married to someone. Didn't last. It didn't work. I was young. I was impetuous. I was crazy. I was doing a lot of drugs. Oh! I was living a, 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 a crazy lifestyle. I've sorted myself out now, and the marriage to your son yeah, but is going to be. Yeah, when did you say that? Before you get married. Uh, you don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think you would of say it. Of course think, you would. I think your other half would say it. By the way, he's been married before, but it's all sorted. Okay, so it's not a secret. Either way, yeah, it's coming it's out. Yeah, but you can keep it a secret for a bit. Yeah, for a little bit. to tell the, the family yet. Yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, that could be the period of the time that it was a secret, though. What? That little bit. Did the, for a little so bit. But this, but this woman, had, they had children seven and four. It yeah. couldn't have been a secret. Yeah, it could. Why would you tell your children who's... Not the for? children, the, your new in-laws, your nin-laws. Yeah, but they weren't children to him, to the first husband. No, I... What? What? 
What's that got to do with it? I love it's how like, annoyed you're getting. It's like I'm stood in front of one of those 3D pictures, and I'm the only one that can see the dolphin. You're going, oh, yeah, it's just wiggles, isn't it? It's not a dolphin. Oh, it's just wiggles, I can't see anything. It's not a dolphin. It's a dolphin! Smoking a pipe and wearing a top hat. I think you um, need to just relax a bit. Let's play some really uh, chilled out music, shall we? Go on. Dina's tweeted. I'm not sure if this is a compliment or not. So I don't know how to take this. I'm taking it as a compliment. You're going to take Dina as a comp, are you? Yeah. I love your radio show. Right now, so many random things being said. You. Oh, go away, you plum. You, Kelly, and Catherine should have your own station, you plan. So many random things, but there's nothing. The, the random things are not coming from me. They're coming from you because your argument is inconsistent. No, if you were married before, you would tell people. People. I know people. Now listen. Who never. Family secrets. I only, you know, I only found out a few years before my dad died that he was married. Uh, and I found out exactly the number of, of, I think exactly the number of half-brothers and sisters I've got. There may be a couple of others out there that I'm not completely aware of. So I'm aware of family secrets. But, if it, should we put it out there? Yeah. Your secret pasts. Yeah. 08459. You have to use your own name. But, you don't want. Well, but it may be that you uncovered someone else's. 08459 455 555. Your secret history, please. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, my respect, boss, yeah. Okay, so we're to, we're, we've been arguing about um, would you tell your family if you've been married? Loads of secrets in my family, yeah. we found out. Found out a few years ago that my mum has got two half sisters that were just put up for adoption. Mm-hmm. I met one of them, I didn't like her. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? You, Ian, nice to meet you. Been watching you on the telly a lot. You're gonna—I um, won't use her real name. You're gonna call me Auntie Jen. Oh. I said, "Whoa, hey, I'm gonna—I'll call you Jen." No, I'm your auntie. You're gonna call me Auntie Jen. I've literally just sat down next to you at a wedding. I'm not gonna call you Auntie Jen. But this is a problem. They've been waiting for that moment for such a long time. They want to establish contact, and they're used to the idea. You're not used to the idea. It's too full on. And well, I don't think they knew. They didn't know. Oh, really? They—I don't. I don't think they knew. I also think, you know, you said about going up in the loft once someone's passed away and finding yeah. out. I do think that sometimes they meant to say but never found the moment. And it wasn't like they were leaving that there for you for as a parting shot. I found out um, when my mum moved out of her house and I had to clear all the stuff out that um, my dad's dad... It's not his dad! He's got a different name! Crazy. Cra- Dennis lot, is on the line. A Good lot morning, of that Dennis. went on. I think it's not unusual. Morning, Dennis. What you got? Good morning, right. Um, my life history. When I was a very small baby, my father abandoned my mother and I, and she took me back to the uh, father and mother. And I didn't realise I hadn't got a father until I was about nine years old. Mm. It never struck me because that, the house she took me to, she had a lot of siblings, so I, I had two or three aunties and two or three uncles, and they looked yeah. after me, so I never missed the man. But then when I was about nine years old, I heard her talking in another bedroom to somebody. Oh. She was talking about my father, and she actually I actually remembered the address, 40 Crowlands Avenue, Romford, Essex. Yeah. That's where he lived. And so I kept that in my head. I didn't do anything about it, because I, it didn't mean anything to me. So... It was only when I was about 46 and I was working with British Aerospace and I was having to go over to Romford on business and I thought, I wonder if the old man's got... So I looked him up on the telephone, frightened the life out of him. I got his telephone number, rang him up and I think he was shocked when I told him, you know, I am your son. I went to see him. Didn't mean a thing to me. He'd met a very nice lady and they she changed her name to Deedpole, by Deedpole, to Brooks. She had a child out of wedlock anyway uh, and I just went to see him on Saturday she wasn't she wasn't there she'd wandered off somewhere while he met me 
and he told me no intention of going back to my mother I said I've no intention you ever come back to me you upset her the first time it's not going to happen again so I took him photographs of the boys my boys then were quite young then he wanted to see them after about the third time I've seen them I said no no you will only upset my mother again if the boys can't keep their mouths shut when we go there out north to see my mother they say oh nanny we've seen grandad no I wasn't having that so he fell away and it's then when my mother died because she would never divorce him in the first place when she died I rang him up again to let him know that if he wanted to he could now regularize this this marriage but by then he'd retired and I never caught up with him again because where he retired to he then died so that was it that was my but I did agree with him because he said he thought my mother should never have been married in the first place she got this epilepsy business but in any case he was sick I think epileptics are allowed to marry yeah no it wasn't that oh. it, because she she used to go off on a she didn't ride about on the ground I mean I would I could deal with it any time she used to go away for a minute right she okay. was with us okay. but the other thing was he also realised that he was second best anyway because my mother had a boyfriend uh, who she was engaged to in the first world war but he died by accident no he was in the army but he died in an accident and I think my father she always pined for him he was always second best I, I think he understood that so Don't no he didn't, I didn't miss him he didn't mean the damn thing to me because I say I had lots of father figures including my grandfather who really looked after me I had a glorious child and believe you me Dennis listen I, I, would, I, I would normally under normal circumstances stop and talk for a bit longer about that but I've got so much to cram in but thank you very much isn't it sad isn't it sad and isn't it interesting uh, that uh, you're right I think lots of people have these kind of uh, stories hidden away especially in times when people didn't break up people didn't you didn't divorce your husband you didn't leave your husband if you weren't happy so people used to just set up new lives elsewhere didn't they Dennis thank you very much Maxine's from Broxburn morning Maxine morning what would you like to say uh, just that I do think that you shouldn't keep secrets because they do come back and, and bite you later on it's easier so. said than done though isn't it Uh yeah, but isn't honesty the best policy in everything, really? Have you? Are, are there no? Have there been no secrets in your family? No, there's been lots of um, lots of people in the older generation of my family have been married before, but we all know about it. Right. And, well, do yeah. you? Do you though? You, well, if it was, so, if yeah. it was, if it was a secret, you wouldn't know about it. That, that's true. Yeah, but. I don't believe people set out to keep it as a lifelong secret. I think it just doesn't get spoken about. And that's and people that's kind of a Victorian idea. I'm sure it still goes on now, but I'm sh- I, I think it went on more in the sort of 40s and 50s. You just don't talk about it, it'll go away. But it, of course it doesn't, does it? Maxine, I've got to move on. Thank you very much for that. 08459 455 uh, I've got to squeeze this in before 7 o'clock. Last week we heard from people who live next to the newish Luton to Dunstable guided busway. They told us it goes boom, 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 boom. Well, the council took their concerns seriously and last weekend they set about sorting them out Justin's been looking into this one what were the council doing just morning boss well um, yeah the, we heard lots of uh, concerned residents last week talking about this boom 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 noise um, the Luton to Dunstable busway opened last October um, residents complaining about the noise there so last week they shut the busway in certain sections for uh, two evenings and what they did um, they managed to fill in some of the holes it's that uh, the gaps between the beams on the tracks apparently that was what was causing the noise 
Uh, we heard complaints last week. So the work was carried out last week, just off Jeansway in Dunstable. In I went back there yesterday to see whether this work, this expensive work, mm. had made any difference whatsoever. Sadly, it hasn't. Here's oh. what people had to say. So, Fred, we're back in your back garden. Yeah. Uh, we were here last week. Yeah. We, we were hoping that improvements were going to be made here. Has anything improved for you? Not at all. It's, it still get that bump, bump, bump. And I was on to the council, uh, I don't know, it was yesterday, I remember, and I mentioned it to them that what they'd done last week it made no difference whatsoever. Uh, it's, all it is now is back to this drawing board and get somebody with a good idea mm. and, and something that will literally do away with this bump, bump. And I, I do believe it, it, it's those little wheels. So since last week, you've still been woken up at six o'clock in the morning roughly around about that yes and very late at night uh, you know when you you want to go to bed at 11 12 o'clock you still hear that bump 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 mm. so it's uh, the noise and also the vibrations uh, going through your house and the slight vibration through my house yes yes admittedly also that it does half a minute i'm getting out of breath you seem quite calm today compared well, to last week well yeah I don't, well you caught me unawares last week <laughs> <laughs> now uh, what I am worried about I'm going to try and get over that boom 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 because you, you hear noises all day but what I want to do is I still say I'm getting, getting fumes from the diesel over my fence and this affects my breathing and that is what is bothering me because my my health has deteriorated a lot since last October has your life improved at all since last week Carol? no no it hasn't I still hear it. I sleep out the front here, and all you can hear is thump, 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 thump all the time. It's done no difference whatsoever. So, honestly, no difference at all? No. No no difference whatsoever. How angry are you about this situation? Well, I've only recently moved here, and, as I say, I'm moving out. Oh, so it's not work then, Just? No, not worked at all. Now, Lucenborough Council, who, of course, uh, what we normally have on the programme, um, for some reason, again, have refused to come on today. They've, they've sent us a statement about this. They say it's too early to state whether the works have been effective. Well, clearly they're not working, according to locals there. Uh, we have received initial feedback from some people. Noise levels were monitored before and after the noise reduction joint fillers were installed. And we are currently awaiting a report from our consultants. Well, I think personally, that's a, a pretty poor show. Um, I'm hoping that Lucenborough Council will come live on your programme at some point in the next week or so well. to explain what they've been trying to do and how long it's going to take to, to solve these noise and vibration problems. I sent them a cheeky little tweet yesterday saying, any chance you can come on the show? You've not been on for a while. Ian, as you know, we're happy to come on the show. I understand we declined today as you wanted an update on the works on which there is none. Well, we have an update for you. It's not working. Yep. Uh, and uh, we're not avoiding you. We'll raise your tweets with our comms manager tomorrow we always prefer to go on when there's an opportunity really well you know to, to be fair that they're trying to do something positive yep, yep. here for the local residents come on and explain what they're trying to do in detail microphones were put in people's back gardens as well how long is that going to take questions need to be answered here and hopefully somebody will come on your program very soon so what would you if you'd been married and then you got married again. Would you tell your new family about your marriage? And what other secrets are in your family?
this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Incinerators, donations and family secrets. It's all secrets and lies. What's that film called where that's from? Secrets and Lies. Oh yeah, that's the... Yes, that's, 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 yeah. It's all secrets and lies. You want to give us a call? 08459 555555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The government has rejected plans for a huge waste incinerator near Hatfield, much to the delight of campaigners. Secretary of State Eric Pickles agreed with the planning inspector that the 380,000 tonne facility was an inappropriate development within the Greenbelt. Well, Cathy Rowe is from Hatfield Against Incineration. Morning, Cathy. You must be delighted. Good morning. Yes, of course. Yes, we are delighted. Absolutely. We're very, very pleased indeed that this decision has been made after such a long, long time of campaigning for this. How, how long have you been fighting this campaign? When did it start for you? For me, it started uh, in May 2009, which was actually the first protest I went to about it. So that's more than five years ago. Blimey, so it's dragged on, hasn't it? It's certainly been very long and um, very intense campaign. Very many people have put in a massive amount of time and effort to keep this campaign going because we knew we were right. Uh, the uh, inspector, the Secretary of State, agreed with all of the points that you made, all of the points that you raised and your group had raised. Just, just, just give us the main ones. What were the main uh, objections you had? Well, we had a very wide range of objections. The ones that the inspector has particularly put emphasis on are the ones to do with the um, impact on the green belt and on the the visual impact, particularly on the green belt, on the area around, on the amenities around and the homes around it, um, and on, of course, the heritage assets, especially Hatfield House and its park. So for the inspector, visual impact was all important because he, of course, was very aware of how much higher, larger and much more intrusive uh, the proposed building would have been, the proposed plant would have been than uh, what's there at the moment, which is just basically single-storey buildings. Hearts County uh, County Council says it is considering its next step. There is a possibility, I suppose, that they might appeal. Uh, I believe there is uh, a possibility. I believe they have to have some legal grounds to do so um, and I, I can't envisage what those might be uh, that they would uh, contradict the inspector and the government's department uh, A lot of public money has been spent on, on your campaign and the, the county council campaign uh, worth it? Uh, well yes worth it but I would say obviously that is my big regret about the campaign the amount of money that has had to be spent on it because of course uh, really uh, all residents have been paying not only for our own campaign but also for the other sides uh, barristers and so on QCs so yes I regret that very much but of course that is entirely the fault of Hearts County Council who were told at a very early stage of the objections to this they could have uh, withdrawn this idea well they should have withdrawn this idea at a very very early stage when any I don't know who first mooted it there but I think it should have been stopped there and if it wasn't stopped there it certainly should have been stopped as soon as those early objections were made uh, I think I believe by some people earlier than 2009 but certainly quite strongly throughout the summer of 2000 
and nine, the campaign was growing against it. And they were told quite clearly there, and that was before they'd made a contract with Veolia. You know, it was um, before they'd actually uh, named this as the specific site they wanted to go for. They were told then uh, that this was not the appropriate site, but they wouldn't take any notice. They wouldn't listen. I think what I'd say is uh, Hearts County Council have not listened. Uh, they have not come out and researched properly. They didn't look, I don't think, they didn't look at the area pro- properly. They didn't take note of the facts that people were telling them. I think they just went heedlessly ahead. Why, you would have to ask them. Um, but obviously they ignored a lot of facts and fortunately the inspector and the government department have not ignored those facts. The government and the inspector are aware of what the area is like and they are aware that this would be totally inappropriate in that green belt and in that area close to people's homes both in South Hatfield and, and in Wellham Green particularly and uh, that's why they've made the judgment in our favour. Cathy, good to speak to you. Well done. Uh, Cathy Rowe from Hatfield Against Incineration. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's have a look at the front pages of the newspaper, shall we? Yes, why not? Shall we? Yeah, go on. The Independent, there's a lady with blue fingers. Oh, it's a football. Who gives a monkeys about the football? <clears throat> Excuse me. Who gives a monkeys about this 7 1? They had a, um, the, a Brazilian man. I think he was a football player. Or five Live on the way, and they said, we're going to play this interview out in Portuguese just so you can hear how... The passion. How, the passion. It always oh. sounds passionate. They could say whatever. Oh, flipping heck. I'm, playing, I'm English. I don't want to, I, tell me what he's saying and why is he crying. He's crying. He's crying. I don't, I don't get football. They've let down 200 million people. Well... It's a game. It's a game, and it don't it don't matter. You might not win. Oh, but we, it was in our back garden. They should take all the balls away now. They should take all the balls away. Say, yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not playing. You can't play anymore. Sorry, guys. Listen, that passion is what makes them good at football. Usually, um, I do think they mess about a bit too much. Maybe if they spent less time kicking the ball around, you know, on their uh, back calves and um, doing keepy uppies and the like, and being smart, and actually scored some goals, it might be all right. There's my tip. How Brazil. is this? This is the front page of the Independent, right? The bit, the, the the main story is: Are we watching Brazil? The most shocking result in World Cup history sees hosts beaten seven-one by Germany. Germany are good. Yeah. It was hilarious, though. Was it? I never watched it. It was hilarious. So, Not the, for Brazil, obviously. But the thing is, that's the biggest story on the front page of The Independent. Then, tiny little story at the bottom. UK accused of complicity in torture of British citizen. MI5 blamed over mistreatment of London man secretly imprisoned in Ethiopia. Oh, so that's quite important. So we've tortured someone. And then even smaller than that, cuts reduce social care for Britain's elderly by a third. The number of adults receiving state-provided care has plummeted by almost a f- third. But the football's the biggest story! Well, the football's the story that most people would want to pick up if they read that paper. Well, is it, though? No, of course not. Not in the Independent. Not in the Independent. Oh, here we go. Oh, hang on. Oh. George Michael's the front page of uh, The Times. Oh. What's he done? Oh, what's he he's not, not done? Well, is he? He's not well, is he? He's a fruitcake, isn't he? No, I didn't mean like that. I mean like he's... he's it's not a disease! Huh? Oh, you mean, uh, he's, well, he's not been well. He's, he nearly died, didn't he? Then he's back, and now he's on the front page of this. Uh, taking a £1 billion liberty. Pop stars, oh, I see, he's the poster boy. Pop stars, QCs and doctors tried to shelter millions in aggressive tax avoidance scheme. Brackets. 
hired clever accountant. George Michael. Here we go. This is one for you, Kels. Four members of the Arctic Monkeys. Oh, yeah. Oh, you like you them. look good on the dance floor, doing a robot dance like it's 1984. <laughs> so Michael Caine and a... <laughs> I'm going to do this with the build-up, because the next one's incredible. George Michael, four members of the Arctic Monkeys, Sir Michael Caine, and a loan shark convicted of rape... Oh! Where did uh, he pop up I don't, I don't know. He popped up. ...are among more than 1,600 people who tried to shelter £1.2 billion through one of Britain's most aggressive tax avoidance schemes. Investors in the Liberty Tax Strategy duh, 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 can be exposed after a secret database. Katie Melua, uh, the best-selling singer, sought to shelter £850,000 through How Liberty. How so much money? How has she got so much money? Well, because she... She doesn't write her own stuff. She owns every bike in Beijing. Ah, uh, right. She rents them out. She does write her stuff, doesn't she? No. Oh, I thought it was Mike you, Womble fella. Um, so they've done a big piece on Melua, who's tried to, to uh, shelter £850,000. Do you right. think she's done that? In the great scheme of things, guys, why don't we go and have a quick word with Starbucks and Amazon and all those guys? Because eight hundred fifty quid, eight hundred fifty thousand pounds, is a drop in the ocean compared to what they're not paying. And really, I don't think many people are surprised that well-off types will hire someone to save them money. Here's the thing, right? If you pay a load of tax, wouldn't you do your best to pay less tax? I do. I've got an accountant. I don't put stuff in things like that. He don't let me. Every time, Roger, can I put my money? No, I'm not going to let you do it. But he, he tries to save me money where I can. He goes through all my bills and says, right, you can claim that, you can claim that. You can't claim that, you cheeky so-and-so. At any point do you ever say, but is it morally right to do that? No, of course not. I want him to save me money. Exactly. Saying that, the other day, he sent me a bill. Uh, and I wrote back to him saying, I think I should pay a little bit more. A bill for his work, not, not for tax. He said he'd give me a discount. I said, I don't think you should give me a discount. I don't, you've done a lot of work. I wrote about offering to pay more. There you go. You see, you don't get that. Take it. Take that in your face, Melua. Uh, no, he didn't. I think the thing about this, right, there's two things here. One, £850,000. Yeah, okay. Uh, George Michael tried to shelter £6.2 million. Okay, yeah, right, okay, that's a lot of money. But still, go and have a word with Starbucks and Amazon uh, and all those other companies before you start, you know, this is nothing. This is small fry, baby, compared to the billions that are not being paid. And also, if you had the chart, if you've got an accountant who you're paying a lot of money to, says, look, I can save you £850,000. It's completely legit. It's a loophole. It's legit. All you've got to do is sign this, and we'll say it's here, and it goes there, and then it goes around there, and then you get that money back. Would you, are you up for it? Who's uh, going to say, no, I don't think it's right? I want to pay that 850000 I want to pay that £6.2 million. Pounds. It's a, is, it, is it illegal? No, it's a loophole. I'll do it. I'll do it. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we're talking about the Luton to Dunstable guided busway again this morning and efforts uh, the councils are making to, well, to sort out the noise that it makes. Boom, 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 boom. Is apparently, that's not an actual recording, that's someone acting it. Work was carried out to fill some of the joints over the weekend and microphones were also installed in people's gardens to monitor sound, the, the busway, not, you know, the sound of gardens and stuff. Well, anyway, Justin's been back to find out whether the modifications have made a difference. So, Jen, since last week, what was 
work has, has actually happened here to try and improve the noise situation? Well, they've, they've had a company out to fill the gaps in, in the concrete, and um, they have done the work and they finished it, and it's, it just hasn't made any difference at all. It's exactly the same as it was before, yeah. You must be so disappointed with that because you were hoping this was finally the turning point that, that this horrendous noise might go down slightly. Yes, I am very disappointed. Um, I do think that they, they have tried. They have done their best at the moment to try to find a solution, but it just hasn't worked. And we're talking here as well, not just about the odd journey. We're talking about over 300 journeys going past your back garden every single day. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's a very invasive, very... Um, uh, it's a very unpleasant noise. It's, it wakes you up in the morning, keeps you awake till midnight. They go... I, I feel they go... The speed is far too high. They're going too fast. If they go a little slower, it does make a difference. It isn't quite as bad, but... Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty awful, actually, to live with. Not at all. It's, it will still get that bump, bump, bump. And I was on to the council, uh, I don't know, it was yesterday, I remember, and I mentioned it to them that what they'd done last week, it made no difference whatsoever. No, it hasn't. I still hear it. I sleep out the front here, and all you can hear is thump, 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 all the time. It's done no difference whatsoever. So, honestly, no difference no. at all? No. No no difference whatsoever. How angry are you about this situation? Well, I've only recently moved here, and, as I say, I'm moving out. Well, that was Justin Daly speaking to unhappy residents, joined by Andrew Salou, the Conservative MP for Bedfordshire Southwest. People aren't particularly happy. It doesn't seem to have worked, does it, Andrew? Well, I'm really disappointed uh, to find out that it hasn't worked. And listening to Mrs. Chamberlain and some of my other constituents, uh, um, I I realise how upset they are about this. I mean, to be fair to Lucian Council, they have tried really hard. I think this is the third different contractor they've had in. And this contractor, you know, promised a solution that would work. They were hopeful that it would. And now we find find out that it hasn't. Um, This is certainly not the end of the matter, as far as I'm concerned. there is a serious issue here. People can't get their sleep. They are being regularly disturbed. You know, if this was a tram with just a smooth rail or a, even a railway line, you wouldn't get this thumping noise because there'd be continuous uh, contact between um, the train or the tram or the bus and the track. You know, the issue here is the gaps between the concrete sections on the track bed. So, frankly, you know, Luton Borough Council are going to have to go back to the drawing board and think again how we solve this problem and I will stick by my constituents till we get this sorted. When it was open, the uh, Lib Dem MP, Norman Baker, said he would rather have seen the railway reintroduced. What do you think about that? Well, I think very many people in Dunstable would have liked to have seen the railway back and indeed there was a proposal from Chiltern Rail some time ago that I thought was very sensible and I, and I backed very strongly. But, you know, we have spent this £90 million now. We can't unwind no. the clock. You know, we've got to make it work and we've got to be fair to the people who live right next door. And I think this having this thumping down sound all the time, which means they can't sleep till midnight, they're woken up at quarter to six, every morning is simply not fair or reasonable and you know I- I'm not going to rest until we do get it sorted so there- I will be back in touch with Luton on this Andrew, th- there will be some people listening who think, well, for goodness sakes, listen, it's, it's, it's a great thing for Dunstable, it's a great thing for, for Luton it costs £90 million, take one for the team guys, you'll, you'll get used to the bum 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 
Not really, because it's a vibration sound, and and uh, the track is is very very close to the houses, and it's not just the sound; it's actually a vibration going through the whole house. Um, I think we just need to go back to the drawing board. We need to try again. Mm. I don't know whether we need to relay this section of the track. Um, we That'd need be to expensive, look. wouldn't it? It would be expensive, but I mean, you know, maybe we have to look again to see uh, different types of fillers to sort of go in uh, between the concrete sections. But, um, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate that they didn't realise this noise would be made and there wasn't proper testing done beforehand. They do have money set aside for compensation. Personally, I'd rather just sort it out Mm. so we stop the noise rather than have to pay people. And you hear people are moving out. You know, we don't want to blight this whole section of residential properties. um, that, That would be really unfortunate that they're lovely homes they've got a beautiful view up to blaze downs um so i I, am going to be back in touch with luton to see uh what more we can do to try and sort this out andrew i I would love to say let's go over to luton borough council now and see what they want to say but again they've refused to come on so i really appreciate your time this morning it's it's uh, and, and keep your fingers crossed that you can get something done well, I will be back in touch with with uh, Luton. Um, if we have any more news or they try something else, I'll be back in touch with you then to tell Excellent. you what happened. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Andrew Shalou, Conservative MP for Bedfordshire South West. I'm literally saluting you. He always comes on. He always comes on. Yep. Andrew, can you come on? What's it about? Yeah, okay, fine. He always comes on. You've got to respect that. Interesting there. He said, I'll go and speak to Luton Borough Council. I'll come back and tell you what they say. Well, why don't they come back and tell us what they're going to say? It is a bit of a shame. Tell us! It's a shame. Oh, dearie me. Uh, Dave Luton's on the line. Morning, Dave. Good morning, boss. Good morning, David. Yeah, okay, boss. Yes, yeah, well... Right. Yeah, oh, okay, you... you didn't want to know the answer to that question. No, could you ask you the just MP? Ask, it's just you, yeah. just you just asked, are you okay? Yes. And then you oh, didn't okay. want to know the answer to the question. Well, could you tell me then. Are you all right then, boss? I'm not brilliant today, Dave. Oh, shame, isn't it, really? Again? What's the matter now? Well, I'm just feeling a bit... I'm feeling a bit angry today. I don't know why. I was really angry oh, last yeah. night. Don't oh, know why. Yeah. I yeah. just feel a bit depressed, Dave. Feel a bit down. Well, are you really? I want some change <laughs> in my life. Pardon? I want some change in my life. Well, easy, isn't it, eh? Is it? No, yeah, well, you've got to work it out for yourself, you know. You're the only one who can change yourself. Not, uh, not me or us I'm not, or, I'm not, or I'm Kelly. I'm not asking you to change me, but you've, no, you're, no. No, what you've done is you've held up a mirror to me, and you're right, only I can make that change. That's great. Very wise words from Dave Lipton. Yeah, yeah so, uh, thank you very much. Oh, thank um, you, Dave. You've, you've certainly, you you've certainly oh, set my know. spirit okay. on... Um, you, you, you've, you've presented the roadmap to a spiritual journey. Yeah. It's now my decision whether I, I take the first step or not yes okay i'll leave it up to you dave thank you thanks thanks for your call yeah yeah, hold on i ain't ain't said it yet go on oh sorry i thought that was it (laughs) could you ask that mp he's gone all is all is at luton borough council yeah when are they going to cut the grass in the middle of that track a busway on the outside of it and on the roadway because it's a shambles it's a hell mess hey he's become ladies and gentlemen the robot has become self-aware he has developed self-awareness yes have you been down the hatter's way no have you looked at the well, have i've never been to luton there. what's it like well, have a look down, go down Hatter's Way and see the grass in the middle of the bus, bus way, yeah. on the outside of the busway, yeah. and on the outside of the fence. Oh. It's six foot high with weeds grass. Weeds it grass? It looks a, a terrible, just, just, terrible descri- disgrace. Describe it again. On the outside yeah. of the busway, yes. on the fence, 
The grass is six foot and the weeds are six foot high. So it's six foot on high the, with weeds grass? Yeah. On the inside of the busway, in the middle of the busway, yeah. the grass is six foot and the weeds. On the outside of the busway, it's six foot grass six and foot. weeds. Yes. Six foot. So it's, it's, it's just a li- it's about my height. That's correct. You can have a look and you'll see for yourself. All right. I'll tell you what, Dealey is six foot. Dealey's six foot one. Okay. Shall we send Dealey down there? Well, yeah, with a tape as well. No, well, 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 no, we don't need a tape. He can just stand in it, right? Yeah, okay. And if I can see, if I can see uh, his eyes or below, then I'll know that you're lying. No, no, I'm not lying. He's I definitely. Lie. Did you measure it then? No, you can see it. You can tell it. You can see what, people what? walking past, right. and you can see it's higher than these people. Well, what, what, what are they? Are they dwarves? Well, I don't know. I didn't have a take to go measure them up, did I? Well, exactly. So if you can't measure the people, you've got no point of reference, so you can't measure the grass. <laughs> All right, approximately six foot high. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll, s- we'll send Dealey down there to. Um... Would you mind? I wouldn't mind. Not my- it doesn't bother me. No, yeah. I, th- I think we can park the vehicle there because you can't park anywhere. Hey, listen, Dave. Don't you don't you worry about the logistics. Let Dilo work that one out. All right. Well, I know that. Yeah. He's a good boy, isn't he? Yeah, my mate. Sorry? My mate. When was the last time you went out with him? I didn't go out with him, Well, then, did I? then technically he's not a mate, is he? If you've not no. been out with him, then you're just a listener to him. I've got an idea. I've got an idea, Dave. I've got an idea. Yes, what's that, Kev? Dealey's quite busy today, but we can um, get him to go and measure himself against the weed's grass tomorrow. Yes. And if anyone else has got some weed's grass where it's a disgrace and a hell mess, he could go yeah. and do some measuring with his body... Elsewhere, that could be his yeah. mission tomorrow. We could use Dealey, the dealometer. Well, well can't, can't Mr. Lee go out there and do it? I've, I've never been to Luton, Dave. I refuse to go. Well, <laughs> Catherine will show you the way down. I do, th- I do this show from my, my luxury uh, home no, in uh, Torquay. <laughs> no, because that quarter of an hour yesterday with uh, Catherine and Kelly was very nice. Yes, you know, it was good, you, wasn't it? Yeah. Did, you, did you hear all the people ringing in, me included? <laughs> Mr. Lee, where are you? I'm in Torquay, I've just told you. I'm in my luxury um, uh, apartment. Condominium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK, well, I'll leave you up to it. I'll leave you to get on with your job then. Yeah, thank you. OK. Anyway, that was a good idea I just had, wasn't it? I wouldn't well, be listening. Oh. oh, you still there? I was reading about George Clooney. I'm talking about measuring grass with Dealey. What's happening with George Clooney? George Clooney's written an open letter to the Daily Mail slamming their bad journalism. Oh. oh. What do you think, Dave? Well, I don't know George Clooney. Who's George Clooney? It looks a bit like you. I'm surprised you don't get confused. Oh, thanks, Kath. Is he good-looking? Dave, get, Dave gets confused, but about something completely different. <laughs> so, Dave, tomorrow we're going to send Justin Dealey out to measure things with his body. OK, fine. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Is that actually a feature? Justin Dealey's going to measure things with his body? Yeah. Wowzers. Oh, Is wait. it Thursday tomorrow? Um, yeah. So we'll have that in Pond Life Oh, with we're Matt. not doing Pond Life again. Of course we are. There's an update. No, we've not. What? There'll be no update. It, there is an update. No, we're not doing it again. It was rubbish the first two weeks. It's, it's okay. Podcast gold, that is. We're doing it. That's we're not doing life. it. We're doing it. I, I promise you, Catherine, and I'm being serious now. You know I'm in a bad mood. We are not having Lock- Lockwood come in to do that ridiculous Pond Life again. I had complaints about it, saying yeah. it ruined the podcast. Yeah. Did you? Yes, I did. From yourself? No, from Everyone else loved it. Uh, Was it from that Tony Stevenson? Right. Get knotted. Email. 3CR at bbc.co.uk BBC Three Counties Radio. Ron's in Luton. Good morning, Ron. Dear young man. What would you like to say, sir? Uh, you used an expression I haven't he- heard for years. Get knotted. Oh, yeah, get knotted. It's a good one, isn't it? 
Yes, but what does it mean? I think, I think, I think I know. What do you think it means? Well, I think it must come from, from a seafaring oh. Um, oh. word. Because you, 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 you not um, string, don't you? Yes. Cord. Yes, rope. So, rope. Twine. Yes. So Wool. Is that where it came from? Oh, see, I would have thought... And I'm, I'm completely making this up, but I think there's, there, there might be something in it. I get knotted. You're telling someone to go away. Well, no, no. What? No, how can knotted mean go away? Well, this is where I'm getting to. Oh. Because... <clears throat> Oh, so I'm really clarty today. I do apologise, Ron. Um, apologise, young man. You're far cleverer than I am. Well, no, no, well, you, you, you may be right. Yes, uh, I, I thought it came from a noose. You were tying knot in a noose. Ah. Uh, so get knotted. So, so it's, you, it's, it's meant to hang people. I... I, I'm, I'm, I am making up that that's what it means, yes. Because what, what would the... you use it, you're saying to that person, go away and get hung. My mum used to say to me, when I was a little boy and I was being very naughty, she'd say, oh, I'd swing for you. You heard that phrase? No. Oh, I'd swing for you. And I thought it was that she would swing a punch and hit me. It, again, that's a hanging thing. She would, she would be prepared to commit murder and be hung, hanged. I would swing for you. Oh, right, I get it. So, in order to enact justice upon you, she'd take the noose. She would take the noose, yes, to punish me, you see. So, right, okay, but I don't know if I'm right about getting naughty, Ron. Oh, wait, 459 455 555, the entomology of phrases. Of course we can do that. It's a radio staple. But if it came from uh, from seafarers, what would it mean? I don't know, but uh. you use the word, and I haven't heard it for so... Well, I, I can only remember hearing it once or twice, many, 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 many years ago. I'm a very old man. And uh, Oh, yes, I'm an old man, and of course you're a very good-looking young man, like being six foot one. Thank you. Absolutely fascinating. But, why, how, why does get... I'm six foot three. Get yes. knotted. Yes. Where did it come from? I'm just under six foot three. Are you really? If that improves the image. You're very good on television. <laughs> Ron, you're flirting with me. Stop it, stop Not it. Oh, we watch you on television and well, we enjoy your, your conversation. You're and very you have good. a fascinating uh, morning job. I, I think it's, it's very good. Nobody seems to like you, which um, is absolutely also fascinating, but we're still back to... Uh, get, get knotted! <laughs> I know! So, uh, if I say to you, get knotted, am I being disrespectful? Slightly. Well, then why would we say it? Well, we say other things that are disrespectful. Here, okay, here's another one. Right, right. Can I just say one very go on, thing? Go on, The busway is a disgrace. <laughs> Let's go back to getting knotted. Okay, is, is the grass six foot t- tall? No, it just looks horrible. Okay. What does get stuffed mean, then? Uh, get stuffed. Get stuffed. Because well, do- that's a similar... That's, that's a very similar thing to... But yeah, all right, where does get stuffed come from? I don't know, I just asked you. You see, these are lovely expressions which have, have all been forgotten. Yeah. So should we introduce them to all our friends? Hey, Joe, get knotted. Ron, get stuffed. Hey, go get stuffed. Go, go, go and get stuffed and get knotted, Ron. What a lovely morning. Good morning, goodbye. Ta- ta-ta. What a delightful fruitcake. <laughs> Ron is uh, up there with one of my top favourite callers of all time. Uh, what a delightful gentleman. What were you saying? Uh, Richard in Winslow, can you put your phone down? Look no, don't bother. Back. We, don't, don't, we don't need he to. He has a sensible answer. Oh!
Oh, right, Ian. I want to tell you about where Get Nutty comes from. Basically, what it means is... He says he's a salty old sea dog and he knows the answer. Yeah, he'll do a joke about seamen. Hmm? Basically, when I was a seaman, what happened was you'd say get knotted when you were on the boat with other seamen. That's what he'll do, Catherine. As a result, he's still not answering. Good. We don't need... voicemail. I know we're desperate for content. We ain't that desperate. I like Richard. I think he's... um, Oh, Cass! Funny. There were two people in the jungle. (laughs) It just... We don't need that. Tim's in Houghton Regis. Good morning, Tim. Good morning to you. What have you got for us? Well, get knotted. It came from the days when people were buried in shrouds. What? To tie the shroud up, you tied a knot. So basically, get knotted means go and die. Well, hang, whoa, whoa, hang on a second, Tim. This is, uh, when did people, how long ago did we stop the practice of covering corpses in shrouds? Well, we, we, before we had coffins, before the poor people could afford the wood to make a coffin, they used to just bury them in a bit of cloth called a shroud. And then, of course, you knock the shroud at both ends and put it in the ground. Oh, I, um, I, I hadn't thought what we did before coffins. Yeah, that's it. I hadn't considered the, the possibility of a world without coffins. When was, when was a coffin invented? Oh, you got me there. There's a question. When was the first person to say, do you know what? We're not going to put this person in a shroud or indeed a pyramid. I'm going to build a wooden box and I'm going to put them in it. I'm going to call them a coffin or maybe a casket if you're American. Yeah, well, that's someone, someone's made a lot of money out of that then. It's, uh, you know, it's a good business to be in. Tim, can you qualify this, please? What's your evidence to back this up? What's the evidence about getting on it? I'm always fascinated about sayings and yeah. things like, um, you know, like sleep on sleep like a log or things like that. And I always kind of, raining cats and dogs is another good one. Yeah. Well, where does that one come from? Uh, back nice. in the days when we all had thatched roofs, yeah. um, animals used to sleep in a thatch, yeah. basically. Rats and cats, really. Yeah. And when a downpour came, they used to wash all the creatures out and you'd be walking down the street of your local village and the uh, cats and rats would fall on you. No, they it. wouldn't, Tim! They would. Check it out. It's a true fact. Tim. <laughs> I love the... Thank you, Tim. Excellent call. I love the way people qualify things by going, it's a true fact. It's a true fact. So, I, in summary, he knows because he's heard it. Richard's on the phone. I don't really want to talk to Richard. I do. Oh, and there were two people in the jungle. And one of them said, uh, I worked as a sailor with other seamen. Is that where it's going, Richard? Um, he's on fader two yeah. now. Uh, is that where it's going, Richard? What? 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 I was a sailor. Yes. And I worked with seamen. This is, uh, yes, well, this is serious. Oh, OK. And, um, oh. Could you, and, um, could you do I me a favour, Richard? Turn the radio off, put your, fo- put your phone near your mouth and then not say anything for the next hour. <laughs> Listen, I, I've, I've, I've sailed on every kind of nautical vessel afloat, and I've got... Hello? I've gone again. No, you've not. Um, unfortunately. Keep that's going, that's your, um, your... Yes, it's the submarine you're in, yes. He should have pretended he had gone. Anyway, um... He's got a valid the, point, everyone, be fair. A valid point, yes, thank you. Really thank quiet. you. Um, as for get stuffed, I'll come on to that later on. If you you will, yeah, you will do. Um, get to the point, yeah, Winslow. Get knotted. Um, it comes from um, when the cat of nine tails was brought out. To give oh, here we go. Here we go. I knew there'd be a kink in it. I knew it'd be a bit mucky. I knew it'd be bedroom related. Goodness gracious me. Will you stop interrupting, woman? Um, the, the cat of nine tails had knots in it. So 
So when someone didn't like someone, they'd say, get knotted. I mean, oh, go and get yourself flogged with a cat of nine tails. Right, OK. But what about the fella who just phoned up? What fella who just phoned up? He just said it's to do with when people died and they, uh, they had a shroud wrapped around them. Not everyone does. But when they did that scene, they, 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 they put them in their hammock and they sewed them up and the last needle went through mm. the nostrils just to make sure they were dead. But so where does get, but, but what's that got to do with the cat of nine tails? Well, I'm just carrying on from your shroud thing. But the cat of nine tails, it, it, see, it was, it, 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 if someone didn't like someone, they tell them they'll go and get knocked. No, but, 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 uh, oh, but no, yeah. Richard, well, okay, but, but how, where did you learn this? Because I know lots of things. I know so many things in nautical. In fact, one of my nautical books, this will make you laugh. Oh, it won't. It gave an entire list of offences that people got and, and floggings and they were only allowed oh. by the um, Admiralty to give 12 lashes but the captain gave as many as he liked and it was up to 100, 200, 300, 400, 500 and if the offence why didn't you just start bad, a, why didn't you just start at 500 why do we have to have the count up to 500 100, 200 why don't you just say it could be as many as 500 if the offence because it's relevant if the offence was really bad, they'd hang him. And on one occasion, I was reading through this list of punishments, and it says it was Jones in subordination, mm. Lee in subordination, 100 lashes, 200, got up to 500, and he went, Lee extra in subordination to be hung. And on one fellow, it came up, Ian, Ian Lee, I choose the names at random, Ian Lee, 500 lashes and to be hung. And I thought, could you imagine that? You go up to the captain, you're going to get 500 lashes, then we're going to hang you. He'd say, yeah. excuse me, sir, could you hang me for... Yeah, that story's not true. It's totally true. It is absolutely true. Well, it wouldn't be hung. It would be, my, it would be hanged. My musical books called yeah. Black Ship. It would be... It, it, it would be hanged. Why have you got a book of punishments, you deviant? It's not a book of punishment. It's a book about a mutiny, a very famous mutiny on Black Ship. It is... It's fair play. It is funny when people get whipped to within an inch of their life 500 times and then hanged. Uh, you're right. That is actually funny. Well, it wasn't funny. I oh, but funny. you were laughing at it. Laughing at you. Get stuff. I, I can always do my famous toast that I once did at dinner because everyone, all my friends, know that I'm a uh, jolly old sailor. I stood up on one occasion. You've got to hear this through and don't cut me. No, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Thanks for that, Richard. Thank you. I don't quite know how we've ended up doing James O'Brien's Mystery Hour, but it turns out that's what we're doing. And of course, he made the fatal, well, the silly mistake of being saying someone was hung rather than hanged. Yeah, two very different things. Two very. <laughs> There's an important difference. <laughs> sizable difference so let's not do that again so if someone is executed um they excellently are they are they are well hanged yes so there you go oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number we've still not worked out where i don't even know why we're talking about get knotted anyway because you told me to get knotted yeah yeah you sling it around like uh, nobody's business i don't know what it means uh sorry um, I was just hit by a wave of exhaustion then. That, uh, whew, I've got a, I'm a bit of a whitey, guys. I've got that today. Yeah, have I? Yeah. What are we going to do about it? We'll go, we're going to plough on because it's our job and that's what we do. That's what we do. BBC Three Coaches Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Right, so... Story. This, the story has led off, uh, led off into a different conversation. Yes, but it has. The, the, it, the, 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 September 2012, this happened. 
I can't believe it was that long ago. Uh, the, the, there was the murders in the Alps, OK? So there's a family in a car uh, and a cyclist. They all got shot in the head at close range. Um, one little girl survived. She hid under her mum's body. She was four or something. Um, and no one knew who did it. And the, the husband's brother was arrested. There were talks of family feuds and, and talks of, of discrepancy in, in, in finances. He's since been, been found not to be connected with the murder, although he may be involved in something else. But he's definitely not connected in the murder. Uh, was it a hitman? Was it a military man? Was it a loner? Blah, 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 blah. No one knew. Then you go to the front page of the Daily Express. Murder in the Alps sensation. Boing. Victim's first husband was killed the same day with a poisoned dart. And then you look further and you find he was a secret first husband. Yeah, it goes on. The case has uh, never been solved, but police yesterday revealed that Iqbal had a secret ex-husband who died in mysterious circumstances. Uh, in Natchez, Mississippi, on the day the family were gunned down in their car while on holiday in the Alps in September 2012. Benoit Viniman, a senior police commander... Well, Benoit, of course, is French for Benny. A senior police commander working on the case said the family secret may have provided a motive for the murders. He added, we have discovered some astonishing things. Uh, uh, Viniman said Iqbal Al-Hili was secretly married to James Thompson, a dentist, some 13 years her senior... Between February 1999 and December 2000, the short relationship was never spoken about. And if you want to picture what this um, uh, secret husband looked like, a bit like Ken Bruce. Looks a little bit like Ken Bruce chomping on a cigar there. Yes, so ball chat with glasses. Got, 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 I, I suspect this gentleman is unfamiliar with the rules of Potmaster, but that's what he looked like. So... A, that's fascinating, that story's kind of resurfaced and there are more twists to it. But then we got talking about family secrets. And how I wasn't necessarily surprised that someone wouldn't tell that they've been married before. I think years and years ago, <sighs> 40s and 50s, it was quite a commonly held secret. But this happened in the, taboo. This happened at the turn of the century. Yeah. But she might plan to have told... You don't know who it's a secret from. Exactly. Maybe it's just a secret from her her children, and she might have planned to tell them. But they're they're quite young, seven. They might not get it. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to read who didn't know um, that they were married. But you would tell your husband. You were, but you were saying, Catherine, that sometimes you wouldn't tell your husband that no, you I were married. No, I never said that. I never said that. You said she you didn't. hadn't told your husband that you were married before. No, I didn't. No, she said maybe husband's family, but you'd tell your husband. Yeah, you tell you if there were no children, so there was no. Re- there'd be no reason to tell anyone else, would there? If you- Look, how long were they married? Not very long. You don't know why they split up. Sometimes people feel it's best left alone and you carry on and you've got a new life and why bring it up? When does it ever come up? And for some people it's still a taboo. What's a taboo? Being, having been married before. Particularly if it didn't last very long. Well, you would definitely tell your partner you'd been married before. Yeah. At what stage in the courtship would you tell... You say, look, I've got something to tell you. Oh, early on. Really? Yeah. Really? Well, you start going into all that stuff, don't you? Well, well supposing... Stop you clearing your desk out. Supposing the moment... The kind of like the initial, the first, second, third date. Oh, by the way, so. no. And if you, when you realise things have started to get serious, okay. You start but supposing to, go into what went wrong with other relationships, blah blah blah, it comes up, doesn't it? Supposing that window closes, though, you miss that opportunity, and it's the night before your wedding. <laughs> That's a very dramatic. It could happen. Scenario. I bet. It, I bet it does happen. Would you text your fiance the night before? You'd probably be sleeping with him the night before. You modern types. What are you talking about. Uh, would you text I was at him, mums, and say, "I've got something to say, Tony." I'm imagining in my head you're marrying Tony Fisher. I've got something to say, Tony. I've been married before. Oh, he won't bother. He, you know, Tony Fisher wouldn't care. Um, he'd think, you, oh. wouldn't, you wouldn't leave it to that. You wouldn't leave it to the last minute. 
it's just something that you. But do you'd be reluctant if you're an older. If you're older, then what's the older thing got to do with it? What I'm saying is, it's unlikely that you would be without baggage. How old was she when she married this guy? She was young. She was 13 years younger than him. Yeah, but he was old, so she wasn't that young. Well, no, she was 13. She was 30 something, wasn't she? Um, hang on a sec. Uh, where have you got that from? Okay, so sixty something. She was forty-seven. Well, it happened fourteen years ago. Okay, so she wasn't really young. So exactly. So was she was younger than you're saying? She was nearly yeah, thirty. She was forty-seven. What? And it happened thirteen years ago. Fourteen years ago. Okay, so she was in her thirties. Yeah. So yeah, who hasn't got a past at that age? You clear I, it all out beforehand. But would you? You don't but, marry someone you don't know. Well. Or do you? Or do Call me you? now, 0459 <laughs> If you ever married someone you don't know. Well, it, happen- it happens here, doesn't it? Passport marriages. Oh, yeah, but... Well. Exactly, you see? You don't know. Would you ever marry someone for money? No. Would you ever marry a friend to help them stay in the country? No. Why? Married. <laughs> Forget that. You're divorced. I forgot to... Sorry, I had a letter to give you. I opened it. You're divorced. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, your uh, friend, Wahid... Or, or maybe Nathan, who's um, from New Zealand. Oh, no, I wouldn't mess around with all that stuff. Or Wahid from Pakistan. But you're good mates. You're good friends with Wahid and Nathan. They both say they want to marry to turn the country. Which one are you going to pick? Old chestnut. Which one are you going to pick? Wahid or Nathan? <laughs> I'm not going to choose either. Racist. It's not that easy. You have to go through... Um, I know people who've married New Zealand. It's easy. I've seen... back to New Zealand and you have to have all these intrusive conversations. I've seen Green Card. You don't exactly. show, they don't show Green Card anymore, do I they? I love Green Card. It's good, that film. The bit where he sits at the piano to play it and then she's thinking, oh, God, it's going to be awful and he plays beautiful melody. There was a time during that film when I thought, yeah, Gerard Depardieu is something very attractive about him. No. Of course there isn't. No, there's nothing attractive about him at all. He's an, he's an ogre of a man. He used to be a boxer, you know? Yeah, you can tell by his battered face. Um, but yeah, there was a time when I found him slightly attractive. Would you never marry a Gerard friend? Depardieu, no. Would you ever marry Wahid or Nathan? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Call me now. Which one of those two gentlemen would you marry? No, but would you? I, I, I could see myself marrying someone like a really, really good friend who was fit. I could see myself marrying you know what them. I see that as recipe for disaster. You're what? blurring the lines there. Well, you're not going to. You're marrying them because they're fit, and you're hoping that maybe once they stay. Oh, I would charm them round exactly. totally. You want to do a green card on them? Yeah, I, I would do. You're a green. Gerard. I'm Andy. Oh, no, don't be her. Come on. She can't act for Toffee, can she? Well, she's not in films anymore, is she? So that's that um, done. She's very beautiful, though. Yeah. She's got a really nice jawline. You don't see that often on a woman. Anyway, secrets and lies, call me now. Okay, 08459 455 555. Peter's on the line. Morning, Peter. Good morning, Ian. What have you got for us, Peter? Um... Secrets and lies in the family. It's all secrets and lies. It is indeed. Um, when I was 21, my father sat me down in the lounge. We lived in a small village in Kent. And he says, I'm going to tell you something now that's going to change your life forever, my boy. So what's that then, Dad? I'm not your real father. Oh, yes. Now, you've, you've mentioned this before. Now, when your dad told you, when your dad told you that, well, uh, well, at 21, that's quite an age. Well, how did uh, that make you feel as a person? Um, I felt um, pretty devastated. What on earth would have forced somebody to tell me that I'd have lived on forever in, in, in bliss? However, it didn't make any difference to our relationship because he was a wonderful fellow. But what happened was somebody in the village found that um, I was adopted, so to speak, and he knew that if they'd have said, oh, but you're adopted, um, I'd have 
blown my lid, so to speak, and he didn't want that to happen. Oh, oh. So was he still your, um, was it, he was still your dad to well, you? As far as I was concerned, yes. No, no problem. Um, my real father left when I was three months, apparently, oh. uh, after finding out that, uh, my mother had had a previous relationship. Oh, oh. Uh, as an early teenager and had a daughter as, as, oh, uh, blimey. As a result. Not only that, I never knew that until I was 36. Oh, this is Anne, by the way, says my mother. My good friend. Well, she isn't really. It's your half sister. Oh, blimey. How did you, so hang on, how did you meet Anne? Where was that? Well, this was uh, at the the house of my mother and father. Um, I was married then, and uh, I thought, my goodness me, this is getting really ridiculous. Many years later, this is a nasty twist, Ian, Uh is the fact that um, uh, Anne's father, uh, my half-sister's father, was um, obviously an elder gentleman and he was one of my best friends and he never ever said gosh and when i found that out oh, yeah. oh my goodness me uh, uh, it sounds like there's been a i'm going to uh, use the b word a lot of betrayal would, would that tally oh, with the way you hear it oh yes yes i think that would be uh, the general drift um however um i don't think it's destroyed me as a person i think i'm a reasonable person but uh, uh, it, it still brings tears to my eyes when I think of uh, all that um, deceit and carry yeah. on that really shouldn't have been. Uh, have you? Because listen, my dad was a liar, and there's loads of stuff that went on. And uh, even when he was dying, I was finding out kind of loads of more stuff. And I, I, it doesn't really, but it bothered me a little bit. It doesn't really bother me now. I've kind of sort of made peace with the majority of it. I feel, if anything, I feel sorry for him that his life was so confusing, and uh, he felt the need to lie to so many people. He made, he made a mess of his life by going off and having kids all over the place, and oh, he made a mess of it. I, I, I kind of feel sorry for him. It must have been really hard for him to keep all those different strands going at the same time. Well, yes, um, it, it must have been very difficult thinking that any day now the past will come galloping up onto him. Mm. Um, yes, it, it's, and my mother was the same, um, always hiding, always never celebrating anniversaries or birthdays, etc., etc. Um, it, it was a peculiar um, childhood I had. I had a good childhood, but uh, uh, it, it, when one reflects, one thinks, my goodness me. You've lived, Peter. Thank you very much. 08459 555. Right, secrets and lies. Is the grass really six foot tall at Luton Busway? I want anything else you fancy calling in about. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you don't register for the organ donation, then should you be excluded from getting organs if you need them? Sounds fair enough, doesn't it? Sounds fair enough, Kath? Bit harsh? Maybe. People have got their reasons. Maybe it's their, their bits of their own business. Well, it could be, yes. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you a story about bits being your own business in a second. Incinerators and family secrets 08459 555555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's putting the voice to bed last night. You know they do this thing. Do you want to see my willy? <laughs> yeah, yours do. And they pull their pyjamas down. Do you want to see my willy? Like that. And they think it's hysterical. Hilarious. Do you want to see my willy? 
Uh, well, last night, this game took uh, an unpleasant turn. Oh, no. <laughs> it was already on the cusp. Well, after the youngest had urinated on the eldest in the, in the bath... What are you doing? Oh, what are you doing? Get off! He's in the bath, right? Uh, uh, so I, I should take turns in future. And I kind of left it in there. They said, Daddy, you're going to get rid of the wee-wee. I went, oh, OK. So I pulled the plug out for a second. I went, right, it's gone now. Put the plug back in. He said, hey, I said, I saw it go. How? It's yellow. Oh, OK. So that happened. Why did I ask you for advice yesterday on parenting? You did ask me for parenting <laughs> advice. And then they're in bed. Right. One's, the youngest one is naked. The older one's just wearing his pyjama trousers. Do you want to see my wheelie? Then that game changed to, do you want to play with my wheelie? Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they were grabbing at each other. Like there was no, I'm going. Well, boys, boys, come on now. Um, just we should okay. point out at this point they're very little boys. They're not. They're, know, they're 17 and 14. <laughs> they're four and two. Right. And it's, it's experiment. The thing is, it's an important age. People, that you learn about your bodies and you experiment with your bodies, and that's all wonderful and natural. And also, I don't want to make a big thing. Yeah. So in 40 years' time, they're in therapy, going, "Well, I don't, for some reason, I just can't touch my willy. I don't know what it is. I remember my daddy shouting at don't me. Don't be dirty." So you're kind of having to go, all right, boys, okay, okay, that's now, listen, okay, now, okay, no, let go of that, no, let it go, no, come on, let, no, don't grab it with the other hand, let it go. Now, the thing is, certain parts of the body are just for you. Yeah, I they're, had that conversation. They're just for you. It. Oh, no, let, no, 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 let it go. Not in your mouth! <laughs> let it go. And it's, and it's just all those things you're thinking, this is one of those pivotal parenting moments this in my life. This could be a seminal moment yeah, yeah. that I, could cause all kinds of mayhem later. I think I got away with it. What did you say? I tied their hands, their hands behind their back and I sellotaped their willies to their legs. <laughs> that should do it, shouldn't they? Mm. There's no danger of, of either of them touching. It sounds like you um, used an original method. Do you not? You don't. Uh, girls, obviously. Girls do do the same thing. Really? Of course they do. And that's another thing. I don't want them to have those girly hang ups about yeah, themselves. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of, okay, let's pop the uh, pa- pants back on there, shall we? Yeah. And we try to gloss over it. It's a t- <laughs> no, one, no one tells you this. When you're going to be a parent, everyone says, oh, you're not going to sleep very much. Oh, it'll be the greatest thing. Oh, it'll be wonderful when they start smiling. No one says, by the way, th- th- that whole thing with the privates, you, that's, a, that's a tough world you've got to deal with. No one, there's no book. There's books on how to get your, your kids to sleep, books on how to feed your children, books on how to bring them up so they can read. There's no book on what to do when they start playing with each other's willies. Or woo-woos. There's no, there's no, there's no guy. Well, there's an idea for you. Yeah, I'll, write niche. That, I'll write that book. I'll write that book. Deary me. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, parents? I think I'll press this button. Shall I? Across beds, hearts, and bugs. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Right. Enough of that nonsense. Campaigners have won their fight to stop a massive incinerator being built near Hatfield. The Secretary of State, Eric Pickles, agreed with the planning inspector that the 380,000 tonne facility was an inappropriate development within the Greenbelt. Joined now by Terry Duris, Conservative Councillor in charge of waste at Harts County Council. Terry, you, you messed Morning. up here, didn't you? I beg your pardon? You, you've messed up here. No, we haven't messed up here. Um, Veolia and ourselves, or Veolia in particular, put in a planning application. Um, it went through all the various processes. It was called in by the Secretary of State. It had a public inquiry, which is absolutely correct that it should have. Um, it then went to the Secretary of State for his final opinion. And 
and, and the planning application was refused. It's as simple as that. But it's, it demonstrates, actually, the, the democratic nature of the way we do business in England. This has gone on for years. It has. Lots of people were saying you were always on a loser, that this was never going to happen. And, and the, the, the basic the, the, the argument that Eric Pickles has come up with is this was inappropriate within the Green Belt. Why wasn't that recognised earlier on? Because we didn't believe at that time that it would be inappropriate or the, within the Green Belt. But uh, as I said a moment ago, these assertions need to be tested. And if it had gone mm. the other way by the inspector, and it was, let's be quite clear, it was the inspector who um, turned down Veolia's planning application for this. But if it had gone the other way, then uh, probably the objectors, who are now the victors, and we accept that at uh, this time, uh, would have said that we, it didn't go through the proper plan planning process so it's the the planning process has, has worked it's seen to be worked and we have the decision that we have you say the they are the victors at this time yeah are you going to appeal or is that it no i'm not saying that we are going to appeal because at the present time we have to consider uh, along with veolia um what the implications the full implications of this uh, judgment is uh, bear in mind also that the inspector's report runs to something like 120 odd pages um so it is going to take some while to to digest um veolia's lawyers and ourselves will have to consider what the next steps may be and the next steps may be an appeal on the other hand it, it may be that we just say right okay we will we will go in a different direction you say it shows that democracy and the judicial system uh, works it's cost you or rather it's cost the taxpayers a lot of money isn't it how much have you spent on this that i don't know at this time and i can't give you an answer to that but what i would say is that going forward it would have saved hertfordshire residents 667 million pounds over 25 years so the the, the gain from it and and Kathy Rowe was absolutely correct when she said earlier on and 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 there is no dispute about this that the principal reasons for the inspector uh, not ruling in favor of the development was the impact on the green belt and the impact at Hatfield House but it would have saved Hertfordshire residents this amount of money and the other thing that has to be borne in half mind half a million no, pounds it costs no if i may just finish half a million pounds it's thought the total costs was for this half a million pounds i I'm, i can't give you any figure on how much it has cost us I, you don't I, know how I, much it's got the legal fees have been at this moment in time no i don't that seems incredible no it's not incredible because it, obviously the those bills and those costs are yeah. still to be generated is it, would, is no, it no 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 terry this is important because the thing is it's not your money so you've you've just written a blank check with taxpayers money and you've got no idea how much that is I am not. I'm. What I'm. You've saying, got no idea how much of the taxpayers' yeah, what, money what you spent am, on defending this. What I am saying to you is that the loss of the uh, the benefit to Hertfordshire residents going forward. Bear in mind that may be, but you've got Terry. The key, no, the key thing, Ian. In your key, opinion. Well, the and, key. Th- and, I would suggest the key thing is that you have spent a significant amount of taxpayers' money, and you're claiming, Terry, that you don't know how much money you've spent on legal fees. No, the, that's the, not your money. The, the key thing, Ian, here, is, in your opinion, the, the key thing here, Ian, is that we desperately need a form of recycling and, re- and renewable energy. We of the five hundred and forty thousand tons of. Why are you collected? avoiding the question, it, Mr. Duris? If you would let me speak. No, because you're going off on a tangent. We can talk about what the, the problems with the waste in a little bit. 
do you not know, do you know how much of the taxpayers' money has been spent on legal fees for this over the past at, few years? At this precise moment, I cannot give you an answer. Half a million pounds? A million pounds? Do you want to have a conversation with yourself? No, I, I'd like, to, I'd like to, to get a figure on how much of the taxpayers' money you spent on legal fees. I you have must have a rough you, idea. Uh, Ian, I have told you that at this present time, I cannot tell you what that figure is. Half a million pounds? Uh, a million pounds? I, I'm sorry, but I, if you can keep asking the same question and you I will don't keep know, giving you... I cannot give you You the, don't know if you spent a million pounds of taxpayers' money. I you don't know. What I do know is that this is very disappointing news because we have to find... Terry, why are you avoiding the question? We can talk about the alternatives for the waste in a bit. You, I, just I, to clarify... I, I, no, just to clarify... OK, I, I, I've not, I, I'm obviously being stupid here, Terry. Just no. to clarify, you don't know if you've spent a million pounds of taxpayers' money on legal fees. You don't know. I cannot give you a figure of what has been spent on this wow. project at this time. Even though it's not your money. It's everybody's money. Yeah, so, but you don't know how much it is. I said I cannot give you the figure. Now, if, Why not? Can we... I, I, I'm going, I came on to move on... No, I bet you did, Terry, but the taxpayers want to know how much money they spent. They also want to know about the, uh, the contract that was drawn up, which means the taxpayers also fund the legal bills of the developer Veolia. I am talking, is that fair? I am talking, Ian, about the uh, Secretary of State's decision yesterday to to not to uphold the... the Have a listen to this. This is, this is your own Tory MP, Grant Shapps, who says the contract that meant that taxpayers were funding the legal bills of developer Veolia, the contracts were drawn up badly. No, well, I think it was a stupid fight to, to, for them to pick in the first place. Um, and uh, I, I think that the uh, contracts were poor. When we got the uh, as much information as we could, we found a lot of the information was redacted but one thing was clear was there was a whole exchange rate swap guarantee provided to Veolia. Uh, I don't think that that was uh, very wise. I think the advice to the county council uh, was very uh, poor uh, and I think there will be many many lessons to learn. And Ian, out of, out of that, the key, one of the key sentences is that there will be many lessons to be learned. We know that. Um, it was a bad contract that, that was weighed completely in Veolia's favour, and taxpayers have paid a huge, massive company's legal bills. Does that seem fair? I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into what our contractual arrangements were. Well, were the, the at fact this time. is that we, taxpayers pay Veolia's legal bill, bills. Uh, does that seem fair? I can't give you the, figure, the answer to that question at this time. I'm sorry. Well, though, that, that, that's that's a fact. That the, 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 at least a portion of Veolia's legal bills were paid for by the taxpayer. Does that seem fair to you? I'm not going to make any comment on that. I'm going so to it does seem fair to you. Well, I'm not going to make any comment on it. You don't know how much you've spent. It could be a million pounds. You've got no idea. And yet you're considering appealing. So it's potentially spending significantly more money. No, there might be some people, Terry, who would consider Ian, that to be in, uh, inappropriate and uh, ineffectual. Ian, what I am saying is that we are considering what our steps might be. That does not necessarily say that we are going to consider should appeal. You or not, we may just... Should you not sit down with the person who writes the cheques and add up how much money you spent before you consider appealing. I am sure that that will be done, Ian. And is it not shocking, because this has been going on for years, is it not shocking to you, Terry, that you've got not even a rough idea, not even to the closest £100,000, how much money, how much taxpayers' money you spent on this? I'm not, I, I've, I've said to you that I do not have at this time the detail that I and can do you give find, you the answer And do you to. not find that surprising? Pardon? Do you not find that shocking that you don't no, know? Not not the day. Uh, not on the day after. Uh, but this has been going not, on for years. 
not on the day after the uh, Secretary of State has actually given the thing. When will uh, the confidentiality clauses be lifted? That I can't tell you. Because it's confidential? Well, they're obviously they're a confidential... Uh, when will they be lifted? I don't know, Ian. It, it, with the greatest of respect, Mr Duris, you don't know when the confidentiality clauses will be lifted. A court case, a legal case that has been going on for years, you can't even narrow it down to the nearest £100,000. There is a potential that you may go on and spend even more money appealing this. You're just wasting taxpayers' money, aren't you? I haven't said that. There is an opportunity within the decision for for the applicant to make a an appeal. I am not saying at this stage whether that whether that opportunity will be taken up. What I will say is that we have to find an alternative site um, and an alternative home, if you like, for the for the waste that is collected. And uh, and where are you looking and, at? And some something like two hundred and seventy-five thousand. Tons and where are you looking at not, for that? It's not recycled. We have already made interim arrangements um, okay. outside the county for, for that. But that is, at the moment, going to have to go to landfill. And that is exactly what we do not okay. want it to have to do going forward. We, we, we owe it to the people going forward, to the residents of Hertfordshire and, and wider afield, if you like, that we do not keep sending okay. um, r- rubbish to landfills. Final point, Terry. To Sorry to nail this home. You don't feel you have a responsibility to the residents uh, who pay taxes to let them know how much of their money you've spent on this court case that you've lost of course we have a responsibility and when will you be telling them that I, w- I can I can't give you that time, but I am sure that in the fullness of time, all the details will will the or the details of, as appropriate will emerge. Terry, thank you very much indeed. Terry Duris, Conservative Councillor in charge of waste at Hearts County Council. David, Pri- what on earth are you doing? Little stretch. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you see what he's doing? That's <laughs> it's weird. It's not weird. Just puffing my chest I out. I can see your you. nipples. <laughs> you're very very lucky. A button's come undone. Oh no, you're right. Yes, hot. It's <laughs> terribly embarrassing. Pop. <laughs> yes, it, 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 yes, it, it can do for me. It was, it, don't worry. It was. What's wrong today? Why are you unhappy? I'm stuck in traffic. I'm now. You need a change in your life. What's I mean, wrong? I just got a bit, a bit of the grumps on. Really? You know, I, I was in a really bad mood last night. I know. I was following you on Twitter. You're having to go to the council last uh, night. <laughs> well, I was just asking why don't the council come on my no, show anymore? Good question. It turns out they, they said they will. So yeah. I look forward to the next time we ask them, them not saying no, like they have done for the last. I don't so know, what's that? Well, what's wrong with you? Life, David. Really? Yeah, life. Yes. Sometimes, you know, gets a bit much. Just get a bit much. I need a holiday. Well, you should take one. Take a holiday. Never, actually, never take a holiday. Never in this job. If, never if take a holiday. If someone better than you sits in. Yeah. I mean, the last time it was James Whale, so that was all right, you yeah. know. But if someone well, good John comes O'Connor in. John O'Connor and me. John O'Connor said, never put anything down if you work in radio. Yeah. Always carry everything with you. Well, look. As look, soon as you put something down. Look what happened to John O'Connor. Exactly. Actually, Catherine Boyle filled in last time, so there's no, there's no danger. You'll be okay. You ready? Uh, come. There you go. <laughs> What's on your show this morning, boss? Um, While I slurp on a coffee. It's the JVS show. I'm here for Jonathan at nine and on the big phone and I want to hear from you on this. Can you understand why some families don't want their relatives' organs donated? This is uh, interesting. 87 people in uh, our patch died in the last five years due to a shortage of organs. That's mm. 87 people who would be alive today if uh, families agreed to uh, organ donation. More than 400 are waiting this morning for a transplant. Mm. But to most families don't give permission to donate when approached so it's not just about you or i giving permission and the uh, unlikely or untimely event about mm. death it's the it's relatives and families so after uh, nine this morning can you understand why some families don't want their relatives organs donated you can call me on the usual number 08459 555 across beds hearts and bugs this is ian lee bbc three counties radio 
had a very, I just remembered this, I had a very important meeting yesterday at Milton, in Milton Keynes. Mm-hmm. You know Milton Keynes, don't you? It's the place for all important meetings. It is. Um, d- d- it was at Milton Keynes train station. Uh, okay. Well, no, partly you because... Wear a carnation? Partly because, I was carrying the times, partly because Milton Keynes, I like Milton Keynes, I like a lot City of it. dreams. It's a town. Not but, according to the T-shirt. But Milton, the Milton Keynes train station is in the middle of nowhere. You're miles from anywhere. Yeah, you drive past all the stuff. Yeah. And then you get there. In the middle of nowhere. So I met this guy. He'd come down and we, he said, listen, we're in the middle of nowhere. I'll meet you at the train station. Beautiful. Fantastic. We had a choice of Costas or Greg's. We went to Greg's. Oh, common. <laughs> we were sat outside Greg's, posh. Oh, fresco. And... Two gentlemen came and lay next to us. They, I say next to us, they were about as close to me as Kelly is. As close as David is. How far is that? Close enough. Close enough. He's he's, 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 what, what, what's he lying on? Well, David's two studios away from me, so what, what was that? 30 feet? Something like that. Yes. 30 feet away from me. These two gentlemen. A bus length. Yeah. Lie, came and lay 30 feet away from us. They were topless. Oh, in town, they were supping from a bottle of cider outside Greg's, and they were letting, <laughs> they were letting a dog lick them. What? So I'm having a meeting with a fellow. He's quite posh, and he's wearing a suit. And then he caught, he caught, he said, "What on earth is going on in there?" So two fellas, topless, off their nut at eleven o'clock in the morning, having a dog lick them. Where was the dog licking them? No. Yes. They should have put their shirts back on. Exactly. They should have kept that covered. So Milton Keynes, buck up your ideas. Move your train station. Get rid of those people. Please. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. if you have the power to address that. Now, it seems that uh, people in Luton are either unwilling or unable to add their names to the organ donor register. The town has the lowest percentage of potential donors in the three counties and the second lowest across the country. So what's the borough's beef with body bits? Kelvin Hopkins is MP for Luton North. Kelvin, w- what's going on? Well, I don't know. I mean, I carry my donor card with me all the time, have done for many years, and I hope that someone will benefit when I die from many bits that might be useful to them. Are you giving it all away, Kelvin? You're not one of those ones that's funny about your eyes or anything. It's no, all going. No, no, no. It's just anything, you know, Good for uh, you. the whole thing for medical research, if necessary. Why Why was it important for you to sign up? Why did you decide? Well, I, I think it's a, a commitment to one's fellow human beings and, and uh, you know, a sense of being useful to, to people who live online after you you know it's it's that that sense of uh, you know community spirit i suppose is it is it um an ethnic thing kelvin do, do different um the races and different religions have different attitudes towards giving their body parts away when they're dead well, well i honestly don't know the answer to that but uh, i think sometimes it's just people haven't got around to getting a donor card or they haven't been approached or perhaps they they have such difficult or busy lives that they 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 you know can't get sufficiently well organized to do that but um i think there has been a proposal for an opt-in situ uh, an opt-out um system which they have in some countries where it's assumed your body parts are, are free after you die um unless you sign a form saying you don't want that to happen and uh, you know that i think that's been suggested in britain as well but why are people busy he's saying it's because they're busy they can't do this why are people significantly busier in luton it's a bit embarrassing isn't it well, I, I don't know. I, th- I think you'll probably find that in, in the, the more affluent areas, there'll be more people carrying donor uh-huh. cards than the less affluent areas, people less. Um, you know, people have 
more difficult lives in less affluent areas. And I know in Luton with, you know, housing problems and, and health problems, you know, there are people who have difficulties in, in our town. Um, and maybe, you know, having a donor card is not something they've got round to yet. What do you think about the suggestion, Kelvin? If you are not prepared to, to donate your organs, should you require organs yourself, you don't get them? Oh, no, I don't think so at all, I think... Excuse me. Oh, no, I think you know, anybody in need should should have a, a, a an organ <coughs> in some kind of fair order because if there's a shortage, they have to have some kind of priority. But priority needs, I would think, to go to young people and children first of all, um, and then uh, older people later. But you know, one one can have a fair system of allocation. But I don't think it should be discriminatory um, because people haven't got a donor card. Kelvin, I appreciate your time uh, and well done for having a card. I've I haven't got a card, but I've signed up. I'm on, my name's on the register. You can do it online. It takes seconds. I did it last, last time we did this. I did it while I was talking to one of the guests. Yeah. It does. It takes about thirty seconds. And I think you do. Can you mark it on your driving license as well? Yeah, I recently had to reapply for my. Yeah, photo don't I know card. about it? <laughs> hey, by the way, the DVLA sent me to the post office in Bedford, which, when I got to it, I found was closed and had been for some time. Yeah, DVLA I, sort it out. Sandy I, was nice, though. I, I knew that. Sandy's a very nice guy. Do you remember um, when... Do you know Be- what they said in Sandy? What? Bedford to Clanger. Do you... Oh, that's, oh, that's yeah. sweet and sour, isn't it? Yeah. Sweet and sour. Yeah. Do you um, remember when um, Benny from Crossroads... I don't know why this has got nothing to do with this at all. Do you remember when Benny from Crossroads was wanted for a murder and he went on the run? Do you remember that? Very, very vaguely. I was very young. <laughs> for, that, for some reason, that came, that came flooding into my head last night. Benny from Crossroads got wanted for a murder and he went on the run. Then what happened? He, they caught him. He, didn't, he hadn't done it. I don't know if it was a murder of, of someone had stoved in Miss Diane's head. What? I think her head had been stoved in. Did he get sentenced? No, no, no. He, he was all right. What was the end of this? I what happened? They found the guy oh. that did it. Oh, did they? Went to, oh. When you donate organs, right, it's interesting Kelvin mentioned children should be first priority. Can an adult's kidney go in a, in a child, like a four-year-old child? Because kidneys, kidneys are actually quite small, aren't they? Well, they have to find a match. I imagine it has to be someone of the appropriate size. OK, but so, well, does it? So it's the, the appropriate size. Can they not? And this is a genuine question. Okay, and I realise as I'm forming it in my head, it makes me sound stupid. But no, it doesn't. It's qu- an interesting question. Quite often, some of my, no, the next question I'm about to ask. Oh right. Quite often, some of my best questions come from a place of stupidity. Can they not just shave a bit off the kidney to make it smaller? They might be able to, like just sew it smaller. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And then it would then expand it. It's not a unit made up of all one thing, is but it? But then will it still grow? <laughs> Does it grow the, with you? Don't you need the entire thing? Well, f- first of all, thank you for not um, laughing out loud at that question. I appreciate that. Never be afraid to ask questions. Why? Remember? Because otherwise, you'll never know any okay. answers. Ever. So here are the questions: Can a grown man's kidney go in a four-year-old? Is it possible to shave a kidney smaller? Um, I have a question. Okay. Does the kidneys, do the organs grow with you? They do, don't no, they? No, because or are they seem always to think that, that you have a transplant and that's it. No, you will outgrow it. Really? Yeah. So it's, I, it's a what? second-hand part, isn't it? It's what? not designed to last forever. And so, doesn't the body eventually realise that what that, org- that new organ is actually alien to the body and it well, tries to reject it? That's what can happen. That's, that can happen. But you're, hang on, you're telling me, if I got a kidney... Yeah, it's not the end of the story. Oh, for crying out loud. Suddenly, I'm not so keen. Oh, I mean, I'm still keen on d- d- donating, obviously, but don't blame me. See these questions. I'm glad you didn't laugh at those questions. I, 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 some of my best ones come from a place of stupidity. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yo, 
Boom shakalak. Lots to talk about this morning. Um, I just can't remember any of it, Catherine. Right, OK, we're talking about um, family secrets. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We had a text, didn't we, about that? Yes, we did have a text. Shall I read it? Yeah, go on. Uh, you, can do, uh, you can be my text lady if you want. I'll be the voice of your, you reading texts. You'll be Siri. OK. <laughs> uh, this is from Leslie from Watford. <laughs> I was 12 and I learned... Your I hair looks nice, um, Kelly. It just genuinely does look nice. It's got a little bit of the Farrah Fawcett flick going. What does that mean? It means you've got a bit of the Farrah... F- All right, maybe Farrah Fawcett Majors. You're, you're younger than me. Who's that? Oh. She's only the six million dollar man's wife, or was. Charlie's Angels. Remember the one with the good hair? Got, she, but do you see what Cameron I'm saying, Kath? She's got a, little, a tiny little a bit, bit of... There's a bit out the front, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, oh, carry on. That's, that's what he's referring to in his old-fashioned way. Hey. I was. This is a serious text. Okay. Talking about... Um, Family secrets and lies. Yeah. It's all secrets and lies. A story in the paper about someone who'd had a secret first husband. Yeah. And I suggested it's not as uncommon as you may think. Yeah. That people, if they've had a very short-term relationship, they may... Uh, I know. Marriage, they may not... I know, we talked about it earlier. I know you were here. That oh, might the, not have been. The, that the one transient, in the back there, wasn't he? The transient listener, yes. So, you know, not as uncommon as all that. Maybe you found something out. Okay. Leslie did. Yes. She says on the text, I was 12 and I learned I had a brother born out of wedlock to my parents and adopted by an aunt and uncle because I couldn't have children. I was 22 when going to a family wedding. I was told I'd be meeting my mum's sister there, another relative I knew nothing about. I think, you know, maybe my grandparents, people's parents' age, uh, you, you might find things in their attic that you hadn't accounted for. Hopefully we're a bit more open now. What else have we got here? Oh, uh, on the subject of organs, which we're also talking about. Yes. Organ donation. Uh, Janet from Chesant said, I heard livers can be cut to fit, but, li- but kidneys not. You can cut a liver to fit, can you? Apparently. Just see, I bet a liver's Janet tiny heard. as well. Is it all made out of one material then? Is it not got walls and different chambers and things like a heart? Do you not need Your different bits? Your liver, I don't think, has chambers. It's just like a sponge type. Your thing. kidney, I think, has got stuff going on in it. So you need all the bits. Okay. Uh, Andrew's in Letchworth. Andrew. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. You can help us with the, the size of organs, and can I can a grown man put his kidney inside a four-year-old boy? Yeah, you asked a really relevant question. Uh, my boss at work is a keen cyclist, so his heartbeat per minute is, I don't know, 40. It's so low because his heart's grown. It's a muscle, so it's grown larger than right. mine, but twice the size, which means, surely, that if I need a heart transplant, his heart can't fit in me because my inside doesn't stretch to allow for that. Oh, so is is his heart actually bigger? Yeah, that's what happens if you if you exercise a lot, then your heart grows. It's a muscle. That's why it doesn't have to beat as See, I, all right. Now I'm going to say something again that sounds really stupid. But what the hell? We're having this conversation. Neither of us are doctors. <laughs> there's a bit of when your heart's in your chest. There's yeah. a bit of space around it, isn't there? And maybe they could just like scrape a little bit more out. <laughs> to create, a, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being serious. To create a bit more room for a bigger heart, yeah, take you'd a bit think, of meat out. You'd think so, but at the same time, I don't think they can, can they? Because there's so much. If, not, if you're overweight and you have a lot of fat around your muscles and tissues, right? They, they can scrape that away. But I'm fairly lean, so I don't think there's anything. Right. You can't force something into a small into a, a space that's too small if it's got to be. <laughs> Andrew, please. Are you a skinny fella? I'm not. I'd say I'm average, but I'm not. I'm not out of shape. If you see what I mean. All right. So, okay. All right. Yeah. Andrew, listen. Thank you for that. Uh, the, uh, okay. This is why. This is when I do like this show. Is when we're allowed to ask, which we are all the time, stupid questions, yes. and we're allowed to remember that we can allowed to ask too many allows, but stupid questions. 
There's nothing. There's no shame in, in not knowing the answer. No, because we find something out at the end of it, so it's all worthwhile. We found out that Andrew's boss has got a big heart. Yeah, and Andrew is lean. Yeah, Andrew is lean. Because I, I don't know what lean means. It means you've not got much fat on you. Because he sound. This is what I didn't want to say. So I asked if he was a skinny fella. He, he said sounded. Like there was a lot of echo in his voice, didn't it? He sounded, you know, like a like a big boy. He might be tall. Could be. He could be. Georgia's in Luton. Good morning, Georgia. Hello. Georgia, you, what, what have you called in with? What have you got for us? Um, well, firstly, you can't cut kidneys down, you're right. Okay. Um, <laughs> can you cut livers down? Yes, livers. You yes. can! That's mad! So what, they just... You can give half of a liver to one person and half of a liver to another person, and that works, because it will grow. That's incredible. So the li- Okay, so what, you just cut it down the middle. It's, it's just, what is it, like a bit of meat or something? It's... It's not like there's different parts of it so much right. like there is of a heart. So it's like a worm. You cut a worm in half and it will carry on living and it might even grow it might even grow again. Kind of. Wow, <laughs> this is amazing. But so what what are kidneys made of then? Kidneys have got like different sections. Okay, okay. Like to it. You couldn't just like chuck it off and it would still work. This is, okay, how do you know this please, Georgia? Um, well, I'm a student nurse, and I've uh, worked with a lot of transplant patients in Newcastle. Wow. Okay. Okay. Here's another question. This is great, by the way. Thank you. I'm glad we've got someone who who is uh, knows what they're talking about. Uh, can I can a grown man uh, put a kidney in a four year old child? Would that work? It depends how much room there was in the kid. Right. Oh, how so big the kid was, and how big your kidney was. How big are kidneys generally? They're not very big, are they? No, they're quite, they're pretty small. I've seen a kidney transplant. They're quite small. Are they? Are they are they bigger than kidney beans? Yes. Much bigger. Much bigger. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I just. I just <laughs> um. That, well, okay. So you could put. But if a kid had room around his kidney, you could you could potentially put an adult kidney in there. Yeah. Well, they they put kidneys in the front of you. You know how your kidneys are at the back. Yeah. If you have a kidney transplant, they leave your kidneys in and they just put a new kidney at the front. No, they do not! Yeah. They leave... Th- so if I've got... Okay, so my, my left kidney is broken, right? Uh-huh. And someone donates me their kidney, right? Yeah. My brother says, you can have my kidney, you can have one of my kidneys. So they don't take the broken kidney out? No, unless it's causing you problems, <gasps> they don't hit that. This is, this is brilliant! And so, but does it... What, so where does the, the new kidney goes just in front of the broken kidney? It goes, like, at the front, so, like, the front of your tummy. No! and you can see where the kidney is. No, you can't! Are you making this up? No. You're so not a nurse, Georgia. You're, you're, you're a prank <laughs> call. You're that kid that pretended to be a 35-year-old sports teacher a few months ago. <laughs> this is brilliant. Wowzers. I'm learning so much. <laughs> what? It, oh, dearie me. So many questions and so little time. Is it? Do you get to, as a, the nurse, do you get to go and see the transplants being done, the actual operations? I've seen them when I was, a, like, as a student, I've seen a kidney transplant and a lung transplant. Yeah. A lung transplant? That must yeah. take a long time to do. Yeah, it took, like, my whole shift. Blimey. And, and uh, what, they, they, they whack out the lung... How do they keep the... When they're taking the lungs out, how do they keep the person breathing? Because if they've got no lungs, they can't breathe. They put them on, like, a heart bypass machine. Right. That does, like, the same thing, so they're getting oxygen still. Blimey. Georgia, listen, you've, you've, you've cleared up so many questions. Thank you very much indeed. I'm assuming... Gosh, wouldn't it be a surprise if the answer was no? I'm assuming you're on the organ transplant register yeah um, I work for a charity called Live Life Give Life right. as an organ donation awareness charity right um, so yeah I am <laughs> why do you, do you come across the, the, the people who say yeah you can take anything you want just don't take my eyes yeah what's that about eyes and hearts people have a funny thing about why is that because of some spiritual connection or, or why I think it's like 
squeamish thing. People don't like the thought of someone having their eyes, like, even though it's not their whole eyes. Like... You'll be like, dead! The thought of it. Well, yeah. That's the, it's weird. weird. People are weird. If someone has your heart, then... then they're going to like feel how you feel obviously though your heart's going to has it ever happened that someone has had a, a part of their body trans- transplanted from a murderer and then they've gone on to kill someone I don't think so Georgia thank you very much indeed 08459 555555 Judy's in Luton good morning Judy oh good morning what would you like to say hello um, I know a little boy of six whose father donated a kidney to him last November and it was, as the lady said, it's in the front of the stomach. Is it really? I, yeah. so I did not yeah. know this. Can you see it? You, you can feel it. You can feel his yeah. kidney. And, well, just a lump. And yeah. He's been told he won't ever be able to play contact sports. Oh, in case someone's bumps, bumps into yeah. his kidneys. And, of course, they don't remove the other kidneys, although his are only 3% working. If that one failed, because they did consider taking it out, yeah. but if that new one failed... Um, at least he's got something to dialyze. He's got a li- little backup dialyze, yeah. going on there. But that was his father. It was a living donor, that was. Wow. Wow. So he, he's had a kidney transplant when he was about three. Oh, dear. And that failed because he had an infection. But this one is... It's taken, has it now? Work, it's working. It had a bit of problems to start with. Oh, but, dear. Um, Wh- he, he's okay. He's what okay. an unfortunate start to life that poor young boy's having. He was born with kidney failure. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, yeah. He was born with it. So all his life he's been on dialysis and drugs, and he's such a lovely, happy little boy, you wouldn't believe. Oh, I bet he is. He's so lovely. So just sort of let you know that it is possible. It is possible for a grown man to put his kidney inside a young child. Yeah, and it was his father I did it, living donor. Judy, thank you very much indeed. You'd do it without a moment's hesitation for your kids, wouldn't you? I mean, well, I say without a moment's hesitation... Part, when you were lying on that, that trolley being wheeled into the operation, part of you will be going, oh, blimey. Linda's on the line. Morning, Linda. Mm-hmm. What would you like to say? Um, I was just phoning. I was interested in what you were saying about the kidneys being left in when you have a transplant. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, my husband's had two transplants, actually, two kidney transplants. Um, one ten years ago, um, which unfortunately failed, and then four years ago I donated a kidney to him, um, and all kidneys are all left in. <laughs> Oh, so how many, how many kidneys has he got now? <laughs> how many kidneys has he got? Four. Oh, blimey. Obviously three don't work, and apparently they shrivel up to virtually nothing. Isn't that... I, I would have assumed, if you've got, you know, um, extra meat in your body that you don't need, that they would, they would just whip it out. Yeah, no, they don't. It's, it's more serious to take it out. Than Is it really? And you gave a kidney to... up so small, they have no... no you have no problems with them. You never... Uh, and you uh, gave up your kidney to your husband? I did, four years ago. Was there... Was there an awkward conversation where you kind of had to be persuaded or as an instant... No, I'll do it. All. No, not at all. And was there ever any doubt when you're on that stretcher, they're about to give you the uh, uh, anaesthetic, was there a part of you going, oh, blimey? More so that I didn't think that my husband would make it oh. so seriously ill. Oh, Linda. And is he fine now? He's absolutely... Empty. Isn't it amazing? I, I sound like my mum. Isn't it amazing what they can do these days? I, ca- I can't believe what difference it makes to somebody's life. And before I met my husband, I never even gave it a thought to be a donor. And, uh, you know, when you're actually living with it and yeah. you see what difference it makes to their lives, you just think, you know, everybody should do it. Linda, the, the, there's a, the, a persuasive... If anyone's in doubt, you've just given a very persuasive argument as to why people should sign so. up for it. And well done you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I do so... I am so like my mum. Isn't it amazing what they can do these days? You can shave down someone's liver. It's like a worm. It will grow. Wow.
Wowzers. I'm learning a lot this morning. 8.47, Wednesday, the 9th of July. I'm Ian Lee. Last 15 minutes of the show, we're talking about family secrets. Secrets. Uh, we're talking about uh, donating your organs. If you've got a question about it, however ridiculous, call, because it turns out we're allowed to say anything we want and not look stupid on this show. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Oh, 08459 is the telephone number. So, so far we've learnt this morning that they can shave or cut your liver. You can give one liver to two people by cutting it in half. It grows like a worm. And if you have a kidney transplant, it's not really a transplant. It's a kidney addition. They keep the broken kidney in. They put the new kidney at the front of the body. You can see it sticking out. Wowzers. Steve's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Steve. Hi, Ian. How are you? I'm all right, Steve. You don't know those two drunk people that were topless letting a dog lick them lying outside Milton Keynes Station yesterday, do you? Um, you can have to narrow it down a bit, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, di- I didn't get any... I didn't manage to see which tattoos they were sporting, but boy, uh, oh boy, okay, it was unpleasant. But- Oh, right. Well, if, if the tattoos are spelt properly, they probably weren't from somebody's <laughs> OK, right. What have you got for us, Steve? Um, I'm head of mechanical engineering for a company uh, just outside Cambridge, and uh, we specialise in medical device development. One of our um, clients who recently developed a machine for, Organox, um, who is spin out from Oxford University, have developed a new machine which is currently in clinical trial which is offering real breakthroughs for liver transplants. Yeah. Uh, traditional technique is that you harvest the whole organ. Uh, this, this isn't partial donors we're talking about. This is a whole, whole liver transplant. Yeah. Pack it in ice. Get it to... When the- you say harvest, sorry, you mean whip it out of someone? Uh, basically. Okay, right, yes. You have to ex- extract it from, yeah. from the cadaver, uh, for, from the donor. Then you get it to the uh, recipient as quickly as possible, packed in ice. And at that point, the only real knowledge that the surgeon has of it is pretty much what a butcher has. He can sort of give it a prod and sort of try and decide if he thinks it's uh, viable or not. And of that, over uh, over 40% of the livers which are uh, donated aren't actually viable by the time they uh, uh, reach the recipient. So the machine that Organox um, sort of inspired and we helped them develop actually connects the liver to an oxygenated blood supply. And it'll keep the liver alive for uh, certainly 48 hours, possibly longer. So what, it's, it's pumping blood through the liver? Yeah, it's passing blood, and so you can wow. the uh, surgeon can see the liver producing bile and all the nutrients that it should. Oh, it can even do more than that, because um, as some of your callers have commented on, you can actually harvest a lobe of a liver and then it will regenerate livers that we put into this machine certainly sort of during the early pre-clinical stages they were um livers that were non-viable for surgery we connect them up to the machine and two days later they'd regenerated and that the surgeon could actually seal the data it could see how the liver was responding and could actually say well i Obviously, they couldn't, but they said, I would be quite happy to put that liver into a recipient now. You're like Dr. Frankenstein. Did you help design this? I played a relatively small part in this, and so most of my work is on parenteral uh, drug uh, drug delivery, but um, I, I did sort of some of the structural design work. Your mum, I don't know if your mum's still with us, but your mum or whoever must be so proud of you. That's, you've, d- you've, you've done something proper with your life. Um, I tried. If, if you have a look on our company website, Team Consulting, uh, look for the Metro device, and you'll yeah. find out some more information there and some videos. Steve, I really appreciate your call, and I appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you. And boy, isn't it funny that you, you, you never wonder what's in the back of those, you know, those motorbikes that are currying body parts around. A liver just in a pack of ice.
in a pack of ice. We're running out of time. Martin, stay there in a second. Uh, the, the Nigel has tweeted. This is a great question. Do they take a right kidney for a right kidney, or do they just take the best one? I suppose they'd have to take a right one, wouldn't they? Because it's it, otherwise it wouldn't be symmetrical. Be on one side. We're back to symmetry. Martin. Yeah. Do they take a right kidney for a right kidney, or just the best one? Uh, I believe they do take a right for yeah. a right or a left for a left because there's a way that they actually fit in the body, I believe. Right. Like, yeah, OK, so uh, a human don't quote me on that. I may be wrong, but well, I let, think let's, that's the way let's, it is. let's just hope I'm not called upon to do a transplant later on today, otherwise I could muff it up. Now, listen, Martin, we haven't got much time, but you had a transplant, didn't you? That's right, yeah. What I had happened? one in, Well, I had one in November, um, uh, but they couldn't... Uh, one of your callers was talking about they stick them in the front of the stomach. Yeah. Uh, around the waistband area of, oh. you know, like, you know, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, because my main artery and my main um, vein that runs down the centre of the body and then splits around the, around that area and it goes uh, down both legs... Yeah to the feet um, unfortunately I was like a British Leyland car built on a Friday night I suppose yeah. uh, mine didn't go down that far and they stopped at my my waistband area so they couldn't oh. stick a, a, a kidney on that that area yeah so they split me up the centre what uh, moved me intestines and bowel out of the way and stuck it in the centre of my body halfway up and apparently Jonah Lumu the rugby player has got a kidney transplant like exactly the same <laughs> that's your claim to fame you got the same transplant as Jonah Lumu well that's it I mean <laughs> I don't look a bit like him and I'm not <laughs> as fit as him but at least I've got something in the I know you're all well and good because you'd imagine that huge trauma to the body that would mess you up you're all fine uh, generally speaking, yeah, I'm slightly unfit, of course, but well, um, you know, there's, it's an early, an early period of recovery. I mean, it takes some time, but um, in general, yeah. Um, Martin, I've, I'm really sorry. I've got to end it there just because I want to get to Justin. But thank you so much for that. Oh man, what great stories! What great stories, Just! Wow, fascinating! It's incredible, fascinating. Stuff. Listen, we've not got much time. I'm really sorry, mm, Justin. Sorry? We've had a big rush of phone calls. Football, Brazil, yes, rush last night, seven-one, <sighs> crying <sighs> like babies. <laughs> Brazil won, Germany seven. Uh, incredible, uh, Ian. I've been in Watford this morning ahead of Pond Life tomorrow. Oh, with we're not Matthew doing Lockwood. it. We're not doing it. Yes, mate. yes, I think we are. <laughs> um, do people have sympathy for the crying players and the crying fans? They were pathetic. Ian, here's what people had to say. Kathleen, good morning. We're here in Watford today. Brazil losing 7-1. Pictures of people crying. Were you laughing? Yes. (laughs) You're cruel, aren't you? Not really. It's only football. (laughs) So we're talking about grown men and grown women crying over football. The images all over the world this morning. What do you think about that, sir? I think it's very sad. Football is is outside of someone's life. It's not really related to her life, so... And if they don't cry over their own lives, it just doesn't make sense. It's just very sad to me. These people disgust you? You could say, yeah. Yeah. Who do you support? I support God. God owns the world, so he's not interested in football. Do you honestly think God's not interested in football, though? Absolutely. But but why wouldn't he be? Because he's more interested in people's lives so when somebody calls a football player god how does that make you feel it's, it's a sin it's idolatry getting quite deep here i'm going to leave you to it so have a wonderful yeah. week take care yeah, you too bye robert what do you think about all these adults crying over the football load of rubbish i'm not happy with england but i don't cry about it so these people they're an embarrassment to their nation I would say they're embarrassments of themselves, not to the nation, because not everyone follows football. Have you ever cried over football? Never, never. Who do you support? There's only one team in England, Liverpool. See you later. (laughs) Bye. 
I just feel sorry for the Brazilians, really. Do you feel sorry for them, or are you laughing at them? Uh, a bit of both, really. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, what's that in your hand? Fishing rod. Wow. Good luck with your fishing trip today. Yeah. Um, grown men crying over football. What do you think about that? Does it disgust you? No, not really. I don't understand it. Yes, I mean, I cried. Well, I'd almost cry when England was so abysmal, to be honest with you. So but, you almost cried? Almost, yeah. Have you ever cried over football? I think when Stuart Pearce missed the penalty, um, going back a few years now. Oh, yes, yeah. a 90. I definitely welled up a little bit, yeah. yeah. So you've got sympathy for these people, you weren't laughing at them? No, to be honest. I can't, I can't, well, it's good to have a passion about something. Yeah, not about a sport that, as we all know, is um, idolatrous. Mm, I cried over football once. Wait, wait what happened? When Luton Town got uh, relegated from the old top flight uh, 1991-92 season, it was dreadful. Go over yourself, mate. The, what, what, one thing I've learned about you, Justin, is mm. you don't recognise what a fishing rod looks like. Well, it was <laughs> how, all could you how could you not know what a fishing What's that? You got a fishing rod? <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. What's it that was all for then? Up. I'm not a fisherman. But you know, you recognise it. Was it like a canvas sack? Uh, it just looked weird. Oh, for goodness sakes, Daily! Just looks strange. Justin, thank you very much. Excellent stuff. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Make sure you have more time. Uh, Catherine, here's a question from Carpet Martin. Yeah. If you put organs on ice, why do they not burn or stick to the ice and frostbite like skin does with ice cubes? That's an excellent question. I'm Join ho- us tomorrow for the answer. <laughs> why not? Thank you to all our calls. I'm sorry the last couple of calls were a bit rushed. I could have spoken to both of those gentlemen for, for ages. Fascinating stuff. Right. Don't forget you can download the podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Ian Lee, BBC. It pops up. It's a weekly best of about an hour long. David's up next. We'll be back tomorrow at six. Until then, ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you to Ian and the team back in the morning.